After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Jihad, 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 jihad. Welcome, welcome, everyone. And uh, yeah, you're lucky you're getting a stream. <laughs> Kev was, Kev was procrastinating between uh, doing the housework and uh, doing the scientific work, as it stands on on all the tabs that are building up on, on well the backlog, I guess. And I'm I'm weeks weeks behind uh, with stuff, and I've just. Since the stream yesterday with Spartacus, and I've been ruminating, ruminating on covert moral bioenhancement. Um, the more I think about it, the more disturbed I am. And you know, we've it's not a new topic for the channel, but the what I've decided to do is I want to cover two papers. One. Um, a neuroscience one which has been in my tabs for quite some time now um, and it's data to do with uh, amyloids and uh, the relation to spike protein and I think it's important to do that and the uh, the the next paper that I wanted to look at is I just wanted to go through word for word that bioenhancement paper I think it's important that we take a deep dive into it because the, the simple fact is, as we were discussing yesterday, whether the technology is at that point yet with you know the 
transducer type uh, nanoparticles to get into your brain. The intent is what matters. And we live in perilous times where these people are going all in right now. And so it's incumbent upon us to understand fully their thinking and ideology and covert moral bio-enhancement is, I would wager, a very, very big pillar within their thinking. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to read through that paper and just, just see what it is that the, what that individual is proposing and um, how nefarious it is. Because just the little bit that I read yesterday where they were talking about basically using medical countermeasures uh, programs. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to play safe with YouTube at the moment, folks, so you'll have to forgive the fact that you're not getting the edgy Kev that you usually <laughs> usually expect. But um, the there's a... As, as much as we need to understand the history, Right. And, you know, shout out to, of course, Mark. I was just talking to Mark uh, on Discord. But, um, you know, we need we need to understand that history. We need to understand the eugenicists. We need to understand uh, the, the paperclip progeny and what it is that they've been up to and how they've been gaming this system. And we need to be able to project forward um, into time and um be able to make predictions with respect to how they're going to uh, turn, pivot and maneuver as we try our best to to push back. And, you know, our, our pushing back essentially is just trying to be as, um, well, as ungovernable as uh, possible. No, ungovernable is not, is not the right where you know you need you know, you've got the there are some social norms which you should uh stick to right we, we've worked those out over millennia and um we shouldn't just toss them out the window what i'm concerned about is the way that we're just lining up to toss out medical ethics as uh as a discipline for the sake of these technocrats and we should do everything that we can to pre preempt <laughs> should be uh that's, that's a word that's tainted now right so um at, at, at least at least have something in the way of coordination with respect to what we what they may be doing and how we how we respond and so uh, i want to i want to devote much of this probably most of this stream to going through the moral bio enhancement paper just giving commentary on it etc so um let's see uh someone was asking about the music in the um the chat i put all the artists down below and you know a, a lot of people ask me about um, Burgle Baby, uh, that little clip was made by someone called Rads, uh, his name is, or you can find him on Twitter at Function Gain, 
and the uh, well it's obviously a remix of pink floyd but the um those are the words of prophet burgle um speaking to you across the uh, across the ether and uh, words that we should live and die by i would argue they become more apropos as each day goes by and the um camera we want spooky monkey in there there we go um so you know what let's let, let's just dive into the stream i've got there's one story which i want to go over i sort of linked it yesterday etc and let's let's just dive into the stream and boom let's do this and yes i've brought up uh no more uh <laughs> your government loves you uh back to have you ever heard of a thing called covert moral bio enhancement shout out to good doggy for uh for what is <laughs> top tier meme uh it's great um let's see thank you for the music links that guy is banned everywhere um rads is banned on twitter he is that's uh that's unfortunate but hardly surprising um i still haven't got my accounts back and uh i'm on a uh six day <laughs> six day lockout <laughs> six day lockout for uh bashing the uh, sheep shagger botley crew um they can't help themselves it's it's those it's those reflexive totalitarians that really really rub me the wrong way and you know their science is shit <laughs> but it's it's the uh, it's the reflex they have to try to smother sh smother speech that they don't like and it's the same reflex that the uh, the managerial class managerialism is that what uh, spartacus called it i think that's a very uh, apt description and um you know we must must stay on top of it so uh, if you've wandered in here and uh, wondering who i am that's me Dr. Kevin McCann, I was a principal investigator at Career Brain Research Institute. I used to be a, uh, how would you say, a normie, normie neuroscientist, uh, relatively successful at what I was doing, enough to have my own lab, etc. And uh, now I'm thrown uh, all that away because, I, as, as I explained yesterday, I, I was helping build the infrastructure that's part of the prison that they're building around you and why was i why was i building it well you know the primary motivation was uh oh, i'm gonna be rich and successful aren't i fuck everyone i'm in it for me and then i would then i would tack on that we were gonna um, help all kinds of uh health issues and and the the problem was the nature of my research was because it it covered the neuropsychiatric domain okay it it was it could be weaponized and in, in, in a fashion that we're seeing right now where in canada should you have an objection to medical countermeasures at the moment like the soviet union they will literally label you as mentally ill and force you onto a pharmaceutical regimen to straighten out your mind that is literally what the soviet union used to do for people that used to question the the party yet here we are 
here we are. And I was a cunt hair away from being, um, yeah, you would have seen me on videos extolling the virtues of uh, machine learning to predict behaviors and get in there and zap your brain to nudge you in a particular direction. And <laughs> the last three years has been a wake-up call to what these people want to do. And that's why we're going to focus on moral bio-enhancement. But if you want to read uh, all the boring stuff, I used to do uh, ResearchGate is a good aggregator. Um, of course, PubMed, you can go there. And um, what we do have um, in fighting the uh, the the digital war right now let's hope it main, remains in the digital trenches because you know what the other side can't meme <laughs> this shit at it whereas we're top notch and uh, it always makes it a, uh, a fun fight there's no no slogging through mud just yet thank god um but you can go to mccanndojo.com and uh, i highly encourage you to bookmark this site because uh, that that's our little stronghold and uh, there are links where you can watch uh, down here, live stream, etc. Um, you can join the Discord chat, um, click that link, and uh, we'll let you in, provided you pass. Oh, it's a simple test, just want to um, <laughs> exclude the bots. Um, of course, I, I should uh, point this out, register to be notified. Um, if you want to know when I go live, because you can't trust that the mainstream channels are going to um, remain active. They, they'll take them at a whim. I had two taken um, for speaking with Charles Rixey whilst I was in the US. They just zapped them. Boom. And uh, they're gone. So uh, we're, uh, I'm trying to sort of walk walk the line right now with respect to what I say and the things that I talk about but I do think that we are allowed to talk about these topics that we're going to cover today on YouTube so there's no worry there but you can um, you can get an email alert and um, this is a paid service that we have to use but um, if you if you want more more junk coming through you by email i highly recommend and you can unsubscribe of course and i will not sell your data you have my uh solemn promise on that um and uh yeah i was going to mention the uh this with charles as um please uh when you finish listening to me um kim.com hosted uh charles rixey and andrew huff today and um i was talking with charles earlier literally he had 10 minutes notice and uh he did a cracking job as usual for just relaying um the concerns that we had the scientific concerns actual scientific concerns around the programs that have spawned SARS-CoV-2, spawned the medical countermeasures, and Andrew Huff did a very, very good job as well. So uh, a salute to those two. Uh, may they, uh, may Allah guide them and keep their arrows straight. Um, what else should I do? Oh yeah, on on the homepage. This this science for the for the public by the public it's only possible via support so there are support links um on the homepage, uh patreon um the wtyl.tip jar is the best one um it's stripe powered and um 
I, you know, they just handle the money, etc. Um, but it's the lowest overhead with respect to if you want to help support me in the work that I'm doing, you know, like uh, going and analyzing uh, vaccine samples and um, sticking vaccines in rat brains, um, you should uh, you should support. Uh, you should support your friendly neighborhood neuroscientists. And of course, stream fags, GayPal. Uh, if you have a GayPal account, you can use that link uh, to send me some support as well. There's Buy Me a Coffee, Subscribe Star, and the Digital Tulips as well. Send them all to Kev. Kev needs them. That's <laughs> that Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, I need the money. I can spend it better than you. Kev boring what <laughs> how dare you uh, let's see so uh, NWO is going to be centred in the best country in the world in the Middle East we've got seven whole judges as Gentiles I can't wait um, I'm not so sure about that um, I'm I'm going to cast a BDI at Switzerland to tell the truth <laughs> That's that's where I think they're uh, uh, they're going to be holding out because look, I could tell you from personal experience, Israel is kind of shitty. Right, there's far far nicer places around the Mediterranean and the Adriatic than Israel, and uh, those who uh, have unlimited resources, um, I think. <laughs> I think they'd realise that as well. And uh, a chalet in the Swiss Alps, it would be far, far more preferable than the uh, mosquito-ridden, um, dusty streets of fucking Tel Aviv. Right, so uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, I did the tip jar. Of course, uh, we have our own streaming platform. Uh, we talk, you listen, where you can watch live, and you can also watch the replay there. And like I said, we're on Rumble, YouTube, etc. We're trying out best to get out to as many platforms as possible spread the word folks spread the good word right so <laughs> just let's do some funny shit um this popped up in my feed as i was getting ready to stream but uh ye <laughs> what a name why would you call yourself ye but uh through a hissy fit on uh milk toast temple now i can't understand why people follow or like tim paul like I say, he's a vapid vanilla milk toast slick spittle, in my view, but somehow seems to uh, attract a uh, large audience. He's not based. He's not. Um, he's hardly uh, at the uh, tip of the spear. Um, he's a uh, limited hangout, and I think, I think ye. <laughs> catches wind of that as he uh, as he legs it from the studio. But let's watch this. I, I think I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I who was they though? We can't who, say who they. Who? <laughs> the Jew. <laughs> That's who. The press. I'm not using the. I don't, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use. The Jew. No, isn't it? I mean, because <laughs> no. and, and because when you think <laughs> about it, consider it. In 2018. What do you mean it's not? It, what, what do I mean? Like, uh, uh, okay, so how about, are you leaving? <laughs> are you afraid of the press? He's like, uh, that's fucking I'll say great. I'll right now. Um, how nice, got, I, how I, nice to have, uh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, money. <laughs> fuck you, money and resources just to uh, take a tool 
like Tim Paul and just um, know when he's uh, he's being at Lickspittle. He's uh, he's worried about uh, his uh, YouTube channel, etc. Um. <laughs> so uh, yeah, big big fail on uh, Tim's behalf, and uh, yeah, I bet you, I bet you he's having all sorts of panic attacks right about now as uh, as people. <laughs> People see my spineless little toad. He is. Uh, I covered uh, the Charles Ricks. Let me just put the link for Charles Ricks's uh, talk with Kim.com. Um, let's do this. Um, let's see. Daph B3TA says, Tim accused Yee of bringing up arbitrarily when in reality Tim introduced the show with an article about Yi being an anti-Semite within the first four minutes of the podcast is that true? <laughs> that's hilarious alright so let's move on so um, we're going to speak about covert moral bio-enhancement so there, I had some uh, stories lined up and I kept uh, alluding to this one uh, yesterday, and um, FTX was heavy into funding vaccine research, biotech engineering, and other, well, like I say, it's a clickbait headline, globalist depopulation agendas through scientific research community. Now, um, yeah, it's hardly the most uh, editorially uh, neutral article, but uh, there's a lot in here which... Um, is concerning. So the hundreds of grants and investments totaling at least $132 million uh, that were earmarked by the FTX Foundation and its FTX Future Fund for use in developing <laughs> new bioweapons, uh, quote-unquote uh, the V-word, and other chemical and pharmaceutical products are officially null and void, and their recipients are now in a panic about it. Wow. That's what happens when you lose those funding sources, when your PI, <laughs> your arsehole, starts to twitch a little bit. Um, so, uh, let's see. Following the announced resignation of the entire Future Fund leadership team on November 11th, one of the companies that was supposed to receive a cash grant from it, Secure Bio, oh, that... <laughs> That doesn't sound dystopian at all, does it? Lamented the fact that employees at his firm will now be out of a job unless emergency backup funding is procured. Well, just get on the blower to uh, Klaus. I'm sure he'll uh, dig you out of a hole. We don't think it's right that anyone should lose their jobs over a financial calamity totally unrelated to the excellent work they're doing, announced Secure Bio co-founder Kevin Esflit. Well... You know, when you've got no money, people tend to lose their jobs. Uh, fact of life. Tell that Tell that to all the working class stiffs that have been shafted over the decades. Uh, let's see. Secure Bio had initially been awarded 1.2 million grant to develop a better pandemic defences, according to COIN. And uh, that probably was all to do around uh, QR codes and surveillance. Uh, Secure Bio um, sounds, I don't think that they were developing drugs uh, by with their company name. Another company, a biotechnology firm called Sherlock Biosciences, was supposed to receive $2 million from the Future Fund to study infectious diseases. Helix Nano, a similar firm within the same field, was supposed to receive $10 million for uh, V research. Then there is Our World in Data, which was supposed to be given $7.5 million to track trends relevant to humanity's long-term press books. 
whatever that is supposed to mean, indeed. Um, FTX was also involved in research to debunk the merits of ivermectin as a viable remedy for the Wuhan coronavirus. Uh, that was the uh, TOGETHER trial. I discussed that yesterday with um, Spartacus. Uh, another entity that was supposed to be on the dole of FTX's philanthropic efforts via... Sam Bankman-Fried's Building a Stronger Future initiative is ProPublica, which was to receive the first tranche of 5 million grant this year, followed by more disbursements in 2023 and 2024. According to Molly Kovai, a lawyer and member of the Effective Altruism Group, again, that just sounds so fucking dystopian. Uh, all these organiz organizations and others that received money from an FTX entity within 90 days prior to its bankruptcy declaration could be forced to pay it all back for a process known as clawback. <laughs> Two days after Covite announced this on November 14th, Open Philanthropy, the philanthropic funder that Covite represents, announced that it's seeking applications from grantees affected by the collapse of the future fund. Each application would be evaluated and provided funding at the group's discretion. Meanwhile, U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Richard Durbin are requesting that SBF, the former FTX CEO, and John Ray Ferd, the current CEO, provide more information about what happened to collapse the fraudulent cryptocurrency exchange. Well, you know, <laughs> job done, right? Money rinsed through Ukraine, and uh, now just leave them to slog it out in the uh, mud-filled mud trenches of Ukraine. Um Let's see. Some 13 different requests for documents, lists and answers have been sent by those two who are still waiting, answers on behalf of the American public. And, you know, we know that uh, the upper echelons of uh, the U.S. political class were involved with uh, FTX. I don't see anything happening. Why hasn't why hasn't uh, Bankman Freed been uh, arrested yet? Um, <laughs> you know. Still going around. I'm still tweeting, as far as I know. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Has the chat stopped working? Is this... Was it? Yeah, I think. Oh, no, no, no. It's working. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see. These developments justify our long-standing concerns about the crypto industry is built to favor scammers and designed to reward insiders and to afford mom-and-pop investors. Oh, like the stock market, then, you mean? <laughs> SBF and Ray have until November 28th to provide yada, yada, yada. yada. Um, nothing will happen. It's white-collar crime. They'll, they'll waltz away into the sunset with all the millions that they have stashed and the uh, boats and uh, luxury apartments in the Bahamas. But, like I say, it's interesting that um, this organization run by a... <laughs> literally a child... Um, was heavily, heavily involved in helping roll out this um, dystopian infrastructure that um, they've all got planned for us. Um, let's see, 32B disappeared. Um, 32 billion, you mean? Yeah. Uh, SBF is too Clinton-like to be touched. Yes, um, I would uh, think so. And <laughs> she says Timple's hat is stupid. Yes, I agree. Now... Um, Let's see, what did I... Oh, yeah, I had this about um, 
FTX as well. Vast numbers of scientists who could have and should have spoken out remained silent or worse, lent their voices. What was this article again? Uh, how many from Gates and FTX bought scientific silence um, or lent their voices in support of the outrage? This means lockdowns and um, the, uh, well, the lighting of the fuse of the technocracy that we have right now. Much of the reason has to do with how science is funded at the university level. It's all about getting the next grant. This is true. It's tragic, but there's a strong motivation here to curate one's opinions in a way that pays way for future funding sources. Yep, their institutes are full of lick spills. Lick spittles and toadies. And like I say, where were they? Why, why aren't they speaking out about the direction that humanity is taking, particularly the Western um, world? Uh, Kevin, nice guy, O'Leary. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> uh, Kev is a twitchy arsehole. <laughs> Cheers, bro. My screen's blurry. Um, my screen's not blurry. Uh, Turtle Grams, uh, yours is blurry. Um, you need to up the uh, your bit rate. Um, I'm streaming at, let's see. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Hmm, it's a little low. Maybe maybe I will bump that up a little bit. Let me just stream. Oops, output. Uh, it should be. Well, it should be 5,000 kilobits per second. Maybe maybe it's the adaptive bit rate. Um, but uh, is anyone else uh, having blurry screen issues? Let me know in the chat. Um, let's see. Do I miss America? Yes. I, I love the US. Always have done. Um, always will do. I'm just sad that there's just such a um, sordid mess of corruption running what should be um, important um, institutes that could be of benefit um, to too many uh, or, or to humanity. Uh, so anyway, that's so reading on about how they bought the uh, quiescence of scientists. This is why it's not necessary that every sellout scientist be in receipt of direct funds from Gates, FTX, or the pharmaceutical industry. All that needs to happen to control a whole sector of opinion is for word to get out on the streets that a funding source is there with countless millions is ready to fork over. As a result, even the smartest and most credentialed people can be easily made to fall in line. Yes, and I think that's been writ large over the last couple of years. I really, really do. And no question that FTX quickly picked up the reputation of somehow being concerned about pandemic planning. Yeah, I wonder why that would be. And so the whole of the industry lined up with their palms out. After all, FTX promised 100 million in grants, and that's no small amount. This is why the Washington Post reports the shockwaves from FTX freefall have rippled across the public health world where numerous leaders in pandemic preparedness had received from f funds from FTX funders or were seeking donations. So that sort of encapsulates uh, the problem that we've had for the last few years. And nobody knew about FTX until recently. Right? It was all... Everyone was just pointing a finger at Bill Gates. Uh, let's see. So moving on from there, I had some. Um, so this is this is where they want to take us, folks. Um, central budget. The third way we think. Wait. Uh, how loud this is? The third way we think CBDC can improve financial inclusion. Hang on, let me let me let me try and up the volume on this. But it's talking about um, central bank 
digital currencies, which are going to be part of the framework of the covert moral bio-enhancement um, that uh, we all should be concerned about. Let's do this. Let's stop the audio. Let's do that. Turn it to max. All right, hopefully this should be a bit louder for you. Through what we call programmability. That is, CBDC can allow government agencies and private sector players to program, to create smart contracts, to allow targeted policy functions. For example, welfare payment. <laughs> targeted functionality in your welfare payment. So after they've automated all the jobs away, okay, here comes, here comes your nudge factor. <laughs> because you've got to feed yourself. And yeah, the universal basic income probably is coming, right? But And if it's coming, we have to make sure it's on our terms, not theirs. Uh, Rock Girl says Canada Banks announced last summer CBDC framework underway. Yeah, of course, of course it's underway. Of course it's underway. That's 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 why we're going through this process that we are right now, and this is one of their endpoints. For example, consumption coupon. For example, food stamp. You think that slimy little toad is going to be worried about consumption coupons? <laughs> This is this is just 21st century Bolshevism in your face. By programming CBDC, those money can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and what kind of use this money can be utilized, for example, for food. So this potential... The fact that they're having open conversations about this in the public think, thinking that everyone's all, oh brilliant oh fantastic we're gonna we're gonna be controlled by smart contracts that they can just withdraw at a push of a button which they've already shown right they don't want me speaking that they'll take away my ability to um use internet banking services right it's why we have to have let's not have paypal right I'm just, I'm just waiting for a letter from my bank just to tell me to come fuck myself, right, for speaking out the way that I do against wh what is the blossoming tyranny emerging in front of our faces. <laughs> Smart contracts for food. Holy shit. Initial programmability can help government agencies to precisely target their support to those people who need support. So that way can also improve financial inclusion. Of course, I want to end with a caveat because CBDC is not a panacea. CBDC cannot solve every challenge in financial inclusion. There are some aspects... What, what Orwellian language? Financial inclusion. of financial inclusion is not related to technology. For example, financial literacy, digital literacy. So CBCC has to work with other policies together to try to improve financial inclusion. I stop here.
How about you just stop, full stop? How about that? How about we've had enough? What's, what's wrong with money? What's wrong with cash? They don't want you to have cash because they can't track it. Right? They can't shut it down. Um, let's see. What did I have next? Oh, yeah. <laughs> COVID-19 also helped legitimize instruments of control. COVID-19 also helped legitimize instruments of control. And um, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, not going to argue with the uh, wrinkly old bastard. Like I say, I, you know, all the, like I say, the, the this is this is why we have to be very careful about um, shutting down the space for the lurid kooks, right? To to steal a phrase uh, from Ryan, um, because what we're seeing right now is that they don't have to put next-gen technologies into these uh, medical countermeasures, right? This is all about seeing how many people they can get to comply, how many people are prepared to surrender their sovereignty to having digital vax passports. And here they are, in your face, telling you. I have next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... Pedo, Pedo Emmanuel Macron um, telling you how it's going to be. Are you on the US and the Chinese side? Because now, progressively, a lot of people would like to see there, there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake, even for both the US and China. We need a single global order. Do we? Do we? Because that single global order, again, is already showing us how tyrannical it is. <laughs> we, want to, we want to just keep letting these people get away, chipping away day by day at, at your sovereignty. We, we just, I, like I say, it blows my mind that people would, would vote for these people. But, um, you know, you can't. No accounting for other people. All we can do is try to uh, maintain our clan, our tribe, and uh, it's about making sure that we propagate information uh, or, or understanding about what these people are after multi-generationally, okay? And, you know, yeah, it might be some black pills for your kids, but uh, it's important. It's, it's, it's literally uh, us or them. There they are in front of you from from George Walker Bush telling you uh, it's a uh, a new world order as they went in and began smashing up the Middle East. So here they were. I don't know what this was. Uh, APEC. Yeah, APEC. Um, saying that, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to solve all these problems. We're going to have a uh, transnational governing body that's going to sent down dictates to you on how you can be able to comport yourself via central bank digital currencies and the weaponization of the medical biomedical domain is uh, literally the tip of their spear 
let's see. Sustainable WEF clubbings. Yeah. Uh, the doc is completely correct. Thank you. A single global order. It's for the greater good. Yeah, and that's how they think. It's for the greater good. And uh, Good to see you, Doc Keck. Um, any links to the videos you were showing would be much appreciated. Uh, well, here you go. Um, here's Macron. Um, here is... Uh, oh. Boom. And... Um, how the fuck are they all still alive? Seriously, yes, that that that's a question that we have to be asking ourselves. And uh, who doesn't get a frisson of joy when we see Emmanuel Macron uh, skipping up to the crowds and uh, <laughs> some some French citizen doing the world a favour and uh, giving him a slap on the cheek? Um, let's see the biosurveillance dictatorship for the kids. Yes. Yes, uh, vive Le Pen. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Le Pen fan. Look, I'm I'm for. You can put me squarely in the nationalist camp, right? I, I want countries to maintain sovereignty. Now, you know, <laughs> should uh, should you be uh, culturing uh, uh, networks of uh, goose stepping Nazis being paid by uh, uh, oligarchs and the tribe? Uh, I might, I might uh, have a problem with that. And yeah, but that, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, what else did I have? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, this uh, was to set up the groundwork for looking at the paper um, covert moral bio enhancement right so we've got an idea how these people are thinking let's dive into this paper um, so we touched on it yesterday and this is I don't want to think about um, I should put it the, 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 the technologies that are essentially once we reach those we've reached uh, the tech event horizon we don't know how that world uh, is going to look like but um, we should try to shape this current world on a, on a day by day basis to make sure that uh, Parker Crutchfield and his ilk don't get away with um, injecting these types of arguments and ideas into the minds of People like Emmanuel Macron. Uh, let's see. Um, sorry, lengthy. Uh, what that means. Uh, most normal people don't even tap into this reality, let alone think it's more than conspiracy when presented with anything related. Yeah, and, you know, this is uh, why I'm trying to sort of... Um, hammer home that you're not going to save everyone right our, our job at the moment is to be able to sift through this information tsunami and essentially try to decentralize and decouple from these transnational corporations these um public private partnerships between stakeholders that would have your rights taken away and we build alternative parallel systems that's that's what i think the way out is and you know how how to do that you know 
I, I can do the small things that we are doing and you know we should all be uh, grateful that we've got a Simon Phoenix in the background working feverishly to make sure that we've got alternative streaming platforms that that should they pull the plug on me you can still listen and get a uh, if you find what I say interesting um, some my take and insights into this type of um, publication so um, compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert and th that title alone should strike fear into you because that's basically saying this should be a first strike option. Once they have the technology, they should unleash it without you knowing or camouflage it in some, well, let's say uh, a, a pandemic of global concern to make sure to get their infrastructure into place. And bioenhancement, we'll get into the details here, but um, that can operate on multiple levels and c c literally can, can just be behavioral operant type conditioning to make sure that you comply with the diktats that come down from the wefers. Gene Roddenberry has already injected most of these ideas into the mind of Gen X. Just watch any episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and you'll understand. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you could say it's been around for a long time and, you know, they just didn't have the... They didn't have the technology in place that they do have right now. And as a preface to this manuscript what I, what I would like to do is maybe say this that augmentation turning you into a um, <laughs> just so that increasing your IQ points by 10% um, you know making sure that you can run marathons easily etc it's actually way way harder than you would imagine right because you're, you're trying to improve on what evolution has already the solution that evolution has come to through endless iteration and what we're going to improve on on god's hand i'm not so sure but in this instance, what, I, what I'm concerned about is that they can degrade you, which is why I wanted to bring in this paper as well, right, which is um, SARS-CoV-2 spike protein S subunit modulates gamma secretase and enhances amyloid beta production in COVID-19 neuropathy, okay? Um, Bioenhancement, from their perspective, could be the degradation of you so that it's easier for them to control you. And what have they done? They've gone and gene transfected the whole world. Now, again, there's questions about the viability of um, each shot. And, um, you know, our data would show that there's variation um, within, within batches. But by degrading you, they make you more dependent on their systems. And it's this that we need to be on the lookout for.
Um, I think the nasal route of drugs, the nearest to the blood-brain barrier is worrying in that if that route is weaponized, we're in trouble. Um, well, we're, we're already in trouble. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get on with this paper. Um, some theorists argue that moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory. I take this argument one step further, further, arguing that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, then its administration ought to be covert rather than overt. That is to say that it is morally preferable for compulsory moral bioenhancement to be administered without the recipients knowing that they are receiving the enhancement. And again, um, you've got to be, you've got to read very carefully between the lines about what these people might consider enhancement. It's, it's what they're saying is control. Control for the greater good. Its administration is a matter of public health, so the greater good argument, and for this reason should be governed by public health ethics. Well, we've seen them just burn those ethics to the ground in the last three years. These people are not to be trusted. I argue that covert administration of a compulsory moral bioenhancement program better conforms to public health ethics than does an overt compulsory program. In particular, a covert compulsory program promotes values such as <laughs> liberty, utility, equality, and autonomy better than an overt program does. Thus, a covert compulsory moral bioenhancement is morally preferable to an overt one. Advancements in technology and globalization. And <laughs> there we go. Already my heckles are uh, rising at this fort because, um, look, yes, you could argue that there are some aspects of globalization that, you know, have been useful. Um, you know, who, who doesn't like uh, being able to go down the supermarket and buy some nice uh, Belgian beer, for example, or some French cheese? That's kind of nice. Um, I, well, I don't don't eat either or drink either now. But um, <laughs> there was there was some good bits, right? You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But here here you can see already the framework is through a globalist um, agenda. Uh, so these advancements will make opportunities. Among them are not only great opportunities to enhance our capacities for cognition, but also to use those enhanced capacities to cause ultimate harm, which is an event or series of events that brings about either the annihilation of humanity or a condition of living that is so poor that life is not worthwhile. Um, I would argue that uh, our betters are uh, banking on the uh, second there. Right? They want they want you living in conditions in their smart cities where you've been enhanced, mod, modded so that you don't care. Or dependent on their systems for relief of conditions that they have inflicted upon you. Global in scope, ultimate harm is characterized by high rates of death. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and for those that survive, immense suffering. Examples of potential catalysts of ultimate harm are familiar and include, of course, global warming, terrorists and short-sighted scientists unleashing a plague. Some argue that as cognitive enhancement increases in scope and availability, the potential for ultimate harm is greater, especially when conjoined with some of the possible catalysts of ultimate harm. 
But an event or series of events doesn't have to be caused by an agent or agents to be ultimate harm. A large meteor or supernova could also bring about ultimate harm. Person and Savelescu claim that in order to prevent the greater possibility of ultimate harm, it is necessary for humans to be morally enhanced. More specifically, it's necessary to morally bio-enhance the population in order to prevent ultimate harm. Moral bio-enhancement is the potential practice of influencing a person's moral behavior by way of biological intervention upon their moral attitudes, motivations, or dispositions. And again, I would I would be um, I would I would focus on the fact that augmentation is incredibly difficult. Degradation is easy for these people. So to get you to comply, they can get you chronically ill, for example. They inflict you with brain fog. Ramp up those microglia. Uh, where were we? Where were we? Um, the technology that may permit moral bioenhancement is on the scale between non-existent and nascent, but common examples of potential interventions include infusing water supplies with pharmaceuticals that enhance empathy or altruism, or otherwise intervening on a person's emotions or motivations in an attempt to influence the person's moral behavior. And I read that as basically controlling your speech and thought. Don't engage in run think or you will be shut down. You will be debanked. You will be depersoned. You will not be allowed to use the infrastructure that's been put in place that's blossoming in, as part of this fourth industrial revolution. Uh, Querdy gives a link to the road to fascism for a critique of the global biosecurity state. Um, yep, yeah, we should do everything we can to fight that. Do not surrender your sovereignty. The proposals of engaging in moral bioenhancement has since generated a lot of controversy, resulting in substantial literature debating the ethics of moral bioenhancement. Among the issues with moral bioenhancement are its impact on autonomy, whether moral bioenhancement will result in a more or less egalitarian society, whether it will erode personal identity, and whether it will benefit others or just the people who are morally enhanced. There's also been debate around the empirical issues of whether a means of bioenhancement is or ever will be feasible and whether it really is necessary. And again, augmentation is hard, degradation is easy. I adopt this argument but go a step further. Not only should moral bioenhancement be compulsory, it should also be convert, conducted without the knowledge of those who are being Enhanced. I, I'm not sure enhanced. Modified. I have previously argued on the grounds that the only way for a program to be affected is for it to be covert. Here I argue on ethical grounds that a moral bioenhancement program ought to be covert if it ought to be compulsory. My argument rests on two assumptions. The first is that moral bioenhancement is necessary to prevent ultimate harm. Whether moral bioenhancement is so necessary is an empirical matter. Here I assume it is necessary. The second assumption is that whatever moral bioenhancement is used will be safe and effective. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? 100% safe and effective, folks. Um, moral bioenhancement will be safe and effective when it can reliably intervene on a person's moral capacities and do so without causing serious adverse events. Whether this assumption is true is also an empirical matter. 
Admittedly, there are demanding assumptions, and for some readers, this demand may push what follows into the merely theoretical. Perhaps I give too much credit to scientists. Do you think? And too little to the moral motivations of large groups of people. But I don't find the assumptions to be merely theoretical. Moreover, most of the recent discussion of the ethics of moral bioenhancement has proceeded from the assumption that moral bioenhancement can be safe and effective. Again, similar language that we've seen across programs that are being rolled out right now. It is a common assumption, and without it, we can all stop discussing the ethics of moral bioenhancement until the science is settled. However, even if the argument that follows is merely theoretical, then at least it represents the limiting case from which it is possible to reason out other potential interventions upon moral behavior. And again, I would put this in the context of um, the, the augmentation. Is a, is is a long way off. You're not you're not going for a shot of lipid nanoparticles and some genes and um, scaling Mount Everest and becoming a world chess champion. We're far far from that, and we have to think about this in context of mass control. The argument that follows is intended to support the claim that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, it ought to be covert. I do not offer a vigorous defense of the antecedent of this conditional, that moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory. Others have defended this elsewhere, but I do review this argument for this position in the second section. Next, I argue that contrary to the focus of the literature on moral bioenhancement, moral bioenhancement is a matter of public health and is therefore subject to ethical norms that guide decisions on public health interventions rather than the ethical norms that guide individual medical decisions. And I would argue that his his, his article should just be burned up, <laughs> screwed up and thrown in the trash because we've seen what a failure those programs are and have been over the last three years. But these people are intellectually and financially invested in these programs. Hey, Karmadoc, good to see you. Um, the final step is to argue that according to these frameworks, moral bioenhancement ought to be convert covert if it's to be compulsory. Compared to an overt program, a covert program is better. This conclusion is likely to be unacceptable to some. You think? I aim to establish the implication of covert moral bioenhancement from compulsory moral bioenhancement. If the consequent of this implication is unacceptable, it is a short step to the notion that moral bioenhancement should be voluntary, and if it shouldn't be voluntary, the only alternative is to forego moral bioenhancement completely. I conclude with a discussion of these inferences. Compulsory moral bioenhancement, part two. Given that the costs of not preventing ultimate harm are indefinitely high, there is no intervention the costs of which would outweigh utility of the prevention of ultimate harm. That's a bit of a word salad. But. Thus, if an intervention is necessary to prevent ultimate harm and the intervention will actually prevent ultimate harm, then that intervention ought to be carried out because the cost of not doing so is indefinitely high. The argument for it's for the common good. And again, I can reiterate, reject those arguments because the common good argument supersedes your sovereignty. Just say no, folks. Don't let it happen. 
where it's used to, uh, where was I? Uh, moral bioenhancement is necessary because as cognitive enhancement makes causing ultimate harm more accessible to nefarious moral agents, ultimate harm is much more likely unless everyone is enhanced. Were it used to require an extraordinary coordinated effort to cause ultimate harm, now or in the near future, it only takes one person. Thus, moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory for everyone. To get the conclusion that moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, three propositions must be true. That the costs of not preventing ultimate harm are indefinitely high. That moral bioenhancement is causally necessary to prevent ultimate harm. And that moral bioenhancement is safe and effective. That the costs of not preventing ultimate harm are indefinitely high is disputable. If ultimate harm has occurred, then most of us are either dead or in a state of living that is so bad that death would be an improvement. But that, but that this is the worst possible outcome is contingent on valuing life and freedom from intense prolonged suffering. And <laughs> I, think, I think we've had a good lesson in the uh, oligarch class uh, showing us that they don't value human life. It's there for their machinations, I guess, to be deployed as they see fit, to take you for their benefit. Was it Doc Keck? No, was it Spartacus? Call him human farmers, human ranching, something like that. If there are things more valuable than this and ultimate harm doesn't cause their loss, then ultimate harm may not be the worst possible outcome. For the sake of the argument that follows, I assume that moral bioenhancement is causally necessary to prevent ultimate harm, which is to say that there are no alternatives that exclude moral bioenhancement. Hmm. I'll have to think about that for a little bit. But if moral bioenhancement is unnecessary to prevent ultimate harm, it doesn't follow that it shouldn't be compulsory. It may be logically possible that ultimate harm can be prevented by a combination of many programs rather than moral bioenhancement. My claim is one of causal necessity, not logical necessity. That moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory doesn't follow simply from the costs of not preventing ultimate harm being indefinitely high and the necessity of moral bioenhancement to prevent it. Moral bioenhancement must also be safe and effective. And again, we keep hearing these words and we've seen it rolled out again and again and again from talking heads to politicians to lick spittles on twitter a hundred percent safe and effective and if you if you're not part of these programs then woe betide you um this is some minority report logic, faulty as hell. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. The reason, the reason I'm reading this is to, is to get an insight into the type of thinking that's driving these programs. All these programs that utilize the idea of um, it's for the common good. Uh, Aurora Storm says the problem is the methods and institutions that implement non-biased checks and balances have been hijacked fiscally and morally. Yes. Yes. Like I say, all, all, any institute that you can think of and point a finger at that, that has a public face has been captured in some form or another. We know this. But it will not stop them trying to implement the tenets of moral bioenhancement and i would i would argue that 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 enhancement from their perspective 
could mean a degradation of your ability to function. Uh, let's see, where was I? Um, if moral bioenhancement is not safe and effective, then it may be that moral bioenhancement is necessary to prevent ultimate harm, though not sufficient. And if it's not sufficient, it may be that ultimate harm is inevitable. So the costs of making moral bioenhancement compulsory, whatever they happen to be, needlessly add to the cost of ultimate harm. So here's, here's someone who's just thinking in the abstract, okay, has probably never been, uh, or, or the closest he's been to... Um, working with a biological organism um, at a fundamental level is maybe hopefully he's had children and has a, a uh, I hope some form of loving relation <laughs> family loving relationship with his children not not the uh, not the type that we expect from the uh, oligarch class um Cowardog says my enhancement better come with a boob lip and tummy tuck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they do not care. Jerry Adams IRA called terrorism. Eric Prince Blackwater was terrorism. Oklahoma McVeigh, that was terrorism. Everyday USA, that is terrorism. Everyday UK, that is terrorism. I don't know what that means. Um best thing for the common good would be for weffers to be the long-term test subjects for their own experiments yeah but they're, they're not they've they're, they're already showing you and telling you that the, the rules do not apply to them right they can they can collapse and steal people's hard-earned money through ftx scandals or bernie madoff or, or, or any other of the litany of uh, white collar crimes that uh, we, we've been subject to you could put, I would argue, the, the bio-warfare programs that I rail against into essentially white white coat crime. Because the, the white coats that have been part of instantiating and promulgating these programs seem, uh, seem to be nary concerned with any of the fallout. They make a pretense to caring about... Um, bioethics and ethics in general but they still go ahead and do it and why because they want money and clout but the real concern is the the higher up the pecking order that we that, that we go and how they see themselves again as your betters your controllers and how they want to maintain their over generous size of the pie and to keep slicing into yours it is clear that there is not currently any type of bio uh, moral bio enhancement that is so safe and so effective that it would meet standards of safety and effectiveness and i don't think there ever would be but it will not stop these people from trying this does not mean that it never will be safe and effective, but if it's possible for moral bioenhancement to be safe and effective, then any argument for the use of bioenhancement would be significantly weakened. If it's possible for moral bioenhancement to be safe and effective, then any argument for the use of moral that doesn't make sense, but impossible for moral bioenhancement. Yeah, so if it's impossible, then the case would be weakened. Um, yeah, I don't think they'd be worried about those details. 
Part three, compuls uh, compulsory moral bioenhancement is a matter of public health. The case that a safe, effective and necessary moral bioenhancement is a matter of public health is also rather straightforward. Moral bioenhancement is a health intervention. The main aim of any health intervention is to improve well-being, but sometimes the intervention aims to improve the well-being of an individual and the individual's close social circle, while other times the intervention aims, and this is, this is the important bit, the intervention aims to improve the well-being of populations and only secondarily the well-being of a particular individual. It's that line of thinking that we need to resist. One significant ethical difference between interventions aimed at individuals and interventions aimed at populations is the range of values that one considers in whether to administer the intervention. In the case of an intervention on an individual's health, these considerations include the patient's preferences, the promotion of what's good for the patient, and the prevention of what's harmful and the personal relationships the patient has with others. In the case of interventions on a population's health, the values of concern are those that apply to the whole population, such as whether the intervention is administered fairly, promotes liberty or opportunity, uses resource and... Ah, this is... Uh, this is where they will they'll scrap this bit. They don't care about fairly, liberty or opportunity, but uses resources appropriately and engenders a net gain of well-being. And again, you have to put it in the context of, or the lens through which a globalist Malthusian would look at the, uh, the needs of the population and how they see their needs. The aims of a compulsory moral bioenhancement program are to prevent ultimate harm. Ult again, who's who's on the receiving end of this ultimate harm? The the oligarch class are going to be concerned about ultimate harm to themselves. Ultimate harm is a condition of large groups of people. Compulsory moral bioenhancement is a health intervention aimed at preventing large groups of people from being harmed, an intervention aimed at the public health. Therefore, whether a compulsory moral bioenhancement program ought to be instituted is a matter of public health, and its ethical permissibility ought to be determined by the ethical frameworks of public health interventions. Uh, again, just think what's happened in the last three years. They denied you access to early treatment. They're removing your access to supplements and vitamins. They pushed forward therapies that were medically untested on a massive scale. But take it one step further and look at China and you can see what their bio-enhancement looks like. You get a QR code that tells you to go and basically imprison yourself within your little tower block and await further instructions. The ethics of using moral bio-enhancement to prevent ultimate harm do not resemble the ethics of a terminal patient's choice to die on his own terms or the decision of a pregnant woman to abort a fetus or an infertile couple's decision to use new technologies to reproduce or even an athlete's choice to use performance-enhancing drugs. The primary difference is that the effects of moral bio-enhancement are much more widespread than the effects of an individual's medical treatment. Thus, the framework of biomedical re ethical reasoning that have been developed to investigate the ethics of decisions that are limited the individual or individual's close social group should be should not be expected to also adequately inform the ethics of issues that are of such great public concern. The move to public health ethics is significant because the values considered in administrating the intervention are different from those of interventions aimed at individuals. And again, uh, we should thank um, Mark, who's Tonic Live, for um, dragging out from all the data the One Health concept. 
this this is a argument this is a one health argument that's being relayed here abort your feet as easy bugs change your dna it's for the greater good yeah <laughs> that's pretty much it okay i don't think god's organic creation needs augmentation it's our flaws and our capacity to reflect upon them and adjust accordingly that makes us human. Yes, I agree. Um, and, you know, the, the, the idea that bureaucrats and um, individuals that have been, that have led a life of privilege are in a position to be able to tell <laughs> the untermensch what's right for them is is a very very slippery slope. Well, you could argue that we're already hurtling down it, but um, <laughs> for God's sake, try to grab onto something. Try to stop what it is that they're trying to implement right now. Uh, where was I? I've lost <laughs> lost my place. <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. The fact is obvious when we consider the ethical permissibility of quarantining a patient with a highly <laughs> with a highly infectious disease, and the ethical permissibility of quarantining a patient with a disease that causes equal individual harms but is not infectious at all. In the former case, the quarantine is ethically permissible; in the latter, it isn't. The restriction in liberty is justified by the greater expected utility of preventing the spread of infection. Other examples of the permissibility of liberty restrictions for the sake of the population's health are the fluoridation of public water supplies and mandating the vaccination of children if they are to attend public schools. And again, I would have issues with each one of those interventions as it stands right now. As we've seen the ethical frameworks implode over the last few years and not only implode mutate mutate into again this digital prison that they're constructing for us you must have your vaccine digital passport it's coming there's there's and there's there hasn't been a country that said no we're not going to do it the g20 signed off on it and that includes russia if anyone was expecting Russia to come in and save the day. Public health ethics frameworks. The development of frameworks for public health ethics is relatively recent. Several distinct frameworks have been developed advocating for the consideration of a wide variety of values that ought to be considered when implementing a public health program. Given that public health interventions are intertwined with liberty interests and potentially competing interests in utility, it's not surprising that the frameworks all call for consideration of these two values. Well, one would hope. Ross Upshur developed a framework that proceeds in the way similar to other discussions in bioethics via principles of action. He claims there are four of these, that liberty restrictions can only be justified by the prevention of anticipated harm, that the least liberty restricting means must be used, that public health officials must reciprocate for compliance with the programme, and that the programme should be transparent. And we've seen that they've blown each one of those out the water with their actions over the last few years. <laughs> you think... Uh, you think... Klaus Schwab lined up for a lipid nanoparticle shot. Uh, 
You think he was uh, wearing masks as he uh, waltzed through airports over the last few years? I don't think so. Other authors formulate their frameworks as a way to balance a range of potentially competing values. Childress et al. suggests that the values that should be considered include maximizing benefits and minimizing harms. Kind of science that sounds like uh, Sam Harris. Distributing benefits and burdens fairly, respecting autonomous choices and liberty of action, protecting privacy, keeping promises, being transparent, and building and maintaining trust. Ah, sounds like a program I could get behind. But again, who's, who's behind and operating these programs? We've seen that they're all bent as a nine bob note. Uh, let's see. The Jonas Brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Melia are huge fans, but boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You'll never see it coming. You think I'm joking. Oh, that was... Uh, wasn't that... Obama. Fluoride is a neurological toxin, isn't it? Affects your pineal gland too. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know about this pineal gland stuff, but yeah, fluoride, fluoride can be toxic, but it, you know, there's a, there's an argument to be made that maybe dentition was improved. I don't know. I mean, I have, uh, well, I don't have many root canals, one, one because of a brace that I had a reaction to, but as a child, um, but the... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't have uh, false teeth right now because of fluoride in the water. It's a deep topic. I don't. I don't know enough about it um, to really comment. I. I. I would just be um, in in the current environment. Very. I'm just very jaundiced with the type of language that we're seeing being deployed all the time and the methods that they've used, which is this gaslighting of the public and censorship. And. Um, censorship of critical issues, one which um, Charles very eloquently talked about with Kim.com um, earlier today. Where did that Fearing Cleavage site come from? How? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Who put those HIV inserts into SARS-CoV-2? Um, it does nothing for dental health. Like I said, I, I, I couldn't comment on the... I don't know enough about the biology of fluoride in the body to, to really, really comment on it intelligently. Just, just that I'm very, very wary right now of anything that comes um, dressed in the um, language of it's for the common good. Putin wants digital currency. Well, I guess quarantine is a fancy gulag. Look, they, look, I'm of the opinion they don't need to build gulags per se anymore. They can literally gulag you into your house right now. And once once they make it such that all cars are self-driving, etc., and you, you you won't be able to interact with the, with the infrastructure that they've put in place. We've already seen that being done to me. Um, Ryan, who we spoke to uh, on Saturday, that's been uh, rolled out on him. Um, it's been rolled out on many for people raising concerns about where uh, the, the ethical frameworks around which these people are operating and the way that they break their own rules. 
cars will not be self-driving anytime soon. Wow, you should visit uh, Austin. There's self-driving cars zipping down there all the time. Fluoride makes the cusp of the tooth flatter, resulting in less places for decay to start. Is that true? <laughs> Schwab is eating rump steak and looking more like Napoleon from Animal Farm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, so maintaining trust like Upshur they also give several conditions for infringing on one of these values or how to balance the different values in fact the conditions are similar in content to Upshur's principles the conditions are that in infringement be necessary or that the infringement be necessary effective in achieving the desired public health benefit the benefits proportionally outweigh the infringement and that it be the least restrictive means and that be publicly justified exactly the reasons that were used for the last two and a half, three years. And look where that has got us. And again, um, exhibit A being China right now. The frameworks of Upshur and Childress et al. place the balance of utility and liberty as the central feature of determining the ethics of a public health program. Others broaden the range of values even further. For example, Selgalid argues that rather than adhere to the principles above, the ethics of a public health program should be determined by the balance of utility, liberty and equality, as it is possible that sometimes the promotion of equality outweighs potential liberty restrictions. And again, um, I'm... <laughs> that's just... Um, elements to that language that you have to dig into because when they're talking about equality and that what equality for pedos because that's the direction that we seem to be heading right that we that the fact that tranny story time hour is a thing now ought ought to raise concerns and the thing is it's those types of events are using this type of language Grill and Dawson argue that a wider range of values ought to be considered. They write that some values that we would ourselves include in many public health decisions are individual health, population health, health equality, individual liberty, solidarity, solidarity, social trust and material well-being, as well as the honouring of duties, the non-infringement of rights and the expression of virtues. They go on to provide a me method of making decisions about public health programmes that is neutral between these values. Mm, and I'm not sure you can just say that they're all neutral. Um, sovereignty of the individual must come first. We've worked we worked this out hundreds of years ago. Yet yet somehow, somehow technocratic language like this is being used to subvert those principles. Um, trans, I presume you mean transition surgery never stopped during lockdown, no cancer treatment. But trying to, okay, yeah, I mean, um, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Island News and Review says Globo Homo is the juice worldwide war on Christianity. Uh, I'm uh, inclined to agree. Uh, we have a Bakshi Transcends. Uh, let me have, uh, can we do a Bakshi Transcend? Has anyone sent a dono? Can I uh, trigger some GD Bakshi? Let me see. Um, Oh, yes, I can. And I want to say thank you to um, 
find a workout. Montana, someone in Montana, you can have... Ah, <laughs> you've had enough. And let me get back. There's one more. Um, this is uh, United States again, and um, it's either Denver or Houston. Um, you can have a. Uh, what can we have? Mm. Oh, didn't work. <laughs> How can you stream stream deck? <laughs> Stupid thing. You have to have this one. <laughs> You've had enough? And um, I, I believe I missed one from yesterday. Um, just uh, Denver, maybe. Florida, maybe. Uh, whoever was in Florida, you can have... Um, Jettering and jittering, jittering and jittering of viruses. Um, let's see. It will make your rump flat. What will make my rump flat? How dare you be speaking about my rump is flat off. I'm, I've been suffering since uh, coming back on the, on the plane. Um, it was a it was a long flight back, and then I, then I had another uh, connecting flight. Um, I, I've been so saddle sore. When I'm when I'm not sat in front of the PC, I'm literally uh, having to lay down. <laughs> Got sore ass. Why do you think the BRICS countries are experiencing civil unrest? Brazil, China, Iran. Well, you know, it is it's it's part of the great game, and and you're gonna see um, people jostling for their position at the table. Um, but one thing is abundantly clear that these. Um, the idea of centralizing control and centralizing decisions about how you comport your life, how you, you know, the choices that, you know, we took for granted, you know, how many children you're allowed to have. We know that cultures and societies can go in a direction. Again, I'll give you exhibit A, China, um, one child per family. You don't, you don't think that that's what they want to roll out, these Malthusians? How dare you have two children? <laughs> They're going to cut your UBI in half. Uh, Lloyd Braun says, Clockwork Orange was all about this, as was the much older movie and book, Things to Come and The Gas of Peace, which changed the enemy's thought patterns. Yes. Uh, in public health, poverty is a major factor as well as we know. Adequate sanitation, sewage disposal, access to fresh water and non-concentrated housing factors also in disease transmission. Um, one child policy worked out swell for them. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they have uh, a excess of fighting age males, which is problematic. Um, but like I say, they don't care whether it's problematic. They care about whether it fits their Club of Rome Malthusian outlook, right? They, these people are constantly pushing the idea that there are too many people, that resources are scarce, that we we have to constrain. And look, anyone listening to me, I doubt as got multiple mansions and and driving uh, Porsches and Ferraris everywhere. Um, 
you know, if there's one thing I've come to sort of realise, I'm I'm kind of a voice for uh, the dispossessed and downtrodden, <laughs> and um, they, the, the rich are not going to feel the pinch. But the, the the question is, where's that cut off? And w- what we have to hope is that um, these people are so greedy that. Even people who thought that they that that they were all right, Jack, and they've got they've scaled up the ladder and they've got their uh, rental properties to make sure that their uh, that their pension is well padded, etc. They're going to feel the pinch too. That that's that's how strong these people believe that ideology, and the people who were sold or bought into the system are going to realize that the opportunities that they had are, are being taken away as well that's that's a hope um let's see they addressed this hundreds of years ago we'll have to reassert ourselves unless we want to be slaves yeah like i say these this is a discussion that was worked out you, you could go back to the magna carta basically and and work from there. I think that you know, as the Anglo sphere, the West, etc. We did a very very good job of coming down and realizing that individual sovereignty was the best operating principle under which we should allow our societies to operate. Right now, they're putting in place the language and infrastructure to take that away. Uh, let's see. Collecting the different frameworks, we have several principles or conditions and a wide range of values to consider. The conditions are that it's necessary, effective, proportional, publicly justified, and the least restrictive means. Again, they showed that was not the case over the last three years. The values are con- the values considered are liberty, utility, equality, fairness, transparency, transparency, promotion of individual and population health, trust, solidarity, respect of autonomy, and honouring of duties. The present issue is not whether the public health program of administering moral bioenhancement ought to occur. It's a matter of how it should occur. Let us suppose that if we were to occur, it, were it to occur overtly, it would occur similarly to vaccination programs for children at the age where moral bioenhancement is safe. <laughs> <laughs> what fucking language. Oh, so disturbing. Uh, at the age where moral bioenhancement is safe and effective, children would receive the moral bioenhancement from their paediatrician or family physician or community health department, and that would be that. That information would then go on their health records, and they'd go on with their more moral lives. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the fuck, man? Wow. I'm lost for words at the moment. Uh, let us also suppose that if the program were administered covertly, it would be conducted in similar fashion. When children are scheduled to receive vaccinations, they are at the same time given the moral bioenhancement. But neither the children nor the parents or guardians are told about the moral bioenhancement and doesn't go in their health records. Holy shit! <laughs> wow! Just, I guess, so long as it's just a hundred percent safe and effective, right? The administration of it could be double or even triple. Right? So we'll do medical experimentation while we're at it. 
<laughs> so that only a few individuals are aware of the moral bioenhancement, everyone would go on with their lives unaware of the moral bioenhancement. The question is, which is the most ethically desirable scenario? I argue it's the second scenario in which moral bioenhancement is administered covertly. Values in public health ethics, 5.1. The task is to compare the two methods of administering the compulsory moral bioenhancement and see which one is the most ethically permissible. Consider first the fact that as compared to covert moral bioenhancement program that is blind to everyone except a few, an overt program would reduce the expected utility of the program. This is because if people knew they were being morally bioenhanced, at least some of them would fail to receive the bioenhancement. God, it just, it just sounds so... Oh, Wellian. They would request exemptions from the policy on the grounds that it conflicts with their religion or their personal convictions. Yeah, how dare they? How dare they assert their rights and sovereignty and religious beliefs? <laughs> the bastards. <laughs> well, they would falsely believe that the moral bioenhancement leads to various disorders or diseases unrelated to the intervention. People would slip through. People would slip through because of failing to pay attention, while others would outright refuse the intervention. That this would happen is obvious when we consider policies on vaccination or quarantine. People refuse vaccines or otherwise fail to get them, and people slip through quarantines and other methods of isolation. If the moral bioenhancement were overt, were overt, the expected utility would be less than it, it would be if it were covert. It's not that the utility of preventing ultimate harm is less, it's that the expectation that moral bioenhancement would succeed in preventing it is lower. The more people that avoid the compulsory moral bioenhancement, the lower is the expectation that ultimate harm will be prevented. If the program were covert, people would be unaware of the intervention and so would not be in a position to avoid it, resulting in many fewer people failing to receive the intervention. Both overt as well as covert compulsory moral bioenhancement programs would restrict the range of moral attitudes, dispositions and behaviours of its participants. How dare you engage in wrong think? Now, again, look look where our societies and cultures are heading, where literally they're targeting children. And if you raise objections to that, well, then you're breaching their moral frameworks. You're open to enhancement here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Convlamis says, if childhood vaccines truly cause cognitive deficits, then covert moral bioenhancement is already here. Yeah, this is uh, this is how I sort of prefaced this um, discussion in that um, it's far, far easier to degrade someone, right, to make them, to knock off 20 IQ points than it is to give them an extra 20 IQ points. And, you know, I, if, if I have time... Uh, um, you know, reading word for word articles is hard, but you know, if if we're looking at um, no, not this, this um, SARS-CoV-2 spike protein S2 subunit modulates gamma secretase and enhances amyloid beta production in COVID-19 neuropathy. Now, one of the things that we're dealing with is we're dealing with a a massively rolled out program which has the potential for exposing you to amyloidogenic disease-like outcomes and that would that basically would involve yeah it, it's it's a loss of cognitive capacity and from a controller's point of view that's ideal for them 
because not only do you become easier to control, you become more dependent on their systems. And so, yes, you could argue that it's already here. That was the point of, of today's stream. The range of moral attitudes, dispositions, and behaviors that would be restricted would be the same for both types of programs, as it is the intervention upon these that is presumably necessary to prevent ultimate harm. So the extent to which the interventions themselves are liberty-restricting, the liberty restrictions will be equal between a covert and an overt program. But for overt, compulsory moral bioenhancement programs, participants would also know that their moral attitudes, dispositions, and behaviors are being intervened upon. Some of these people who know their moral capacities are being restricted will desire to not be so restricted, thus the desires of these people will be frustrated, which results in suffering. If the program were covert, the people who desire to not have their moral capacities restricted wouldn't be aware of any restriction, so from their perspective the desire to not be restricted wouldn't be frustrated, which means they wouldn't suffer from knowing that they are participating in a compulsory moral bioenhancement program. Now again, reading that to me, that breaks everything that I learned about medical ethics, experimentation, anything to do with, you know, impacting another person's life ability to um, pursue happiness as they see fit <laughs> Jeez, okay. I'm, I'm flabbergasted that this this has been written to tell the truth but uh, just take it as an operational principle for the oligarchs um It's this, uh, with rising rates of autism and effects on cognition as a result. Yes, uh, I agree. Perhaps I already started rolling out this enhancement. Maybe things like TikTok and CRT are the outcome of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, things, again, um, ideologies like critical race theory, the, the wokeism as a catch-all, okay? That's been decided at a high up level to be the operational norm for society. So much so that they will come and target your children. The decision has already been made. Now, if you, if you object to it on moral or ethical grounds, this, this article is saying that you, you are front and center for reprogramming. Again, this is this is Orwellian. It's a um, it's the wet dream of Stalin, basically, and should be resisted at every opportunity. Uh, so this point rests on the idea that all things considered, there is disutility in not just having desires frustrated, but also in knowing or believing that they are frustrated. The same point could also apply to other public health programs, such as those that require people be vaccinated. Yeah, it's amazing how they, that this just dovetails with um, vaccination programs. Um, it's it's <laughs> should be it should be sending shivers down your spine. 
Uh, Lloyd Brown says they don't take into account any un unintended consequences of how this might affect true individual. If it makes you more docile, then you might not defend yourself or even flee a dangerous situation. Well, th th it's <laughs> that's what they're aiming for. Right, because you, you, th th there's a very, very small percentage of the world's population holding on to most of its res resources and having access to the levers of power. And they want to maintain it that way. And this, this is a blueprint for them to do that. Now, just take out or, or reorientate yourself to understand that enhancement could mean degradation at an individual level for yourself. But from their perspective, you've been enhanced. Um, did I cover the recent resignations from the FDA over the approval of an Alzheimer's drug that was utterly ineffective? The trial data was photoshopped. Um, the attribution of beta amyloid. Um, yeah, uh, that was a while ago. Um, I did cover it. And, you know, it's kind of funny how, um, you know, therapies for Alzheimer's are being sort of ushered in very, very quickly um, to the point where, you know, people with some morals and ethics were resigning from the FDA. They still pushed it through, uh, whatever it is. There's an antibody type therapy. I forget the name. Uh, Idaho says they don't care about us plebs. We're just useless eaters. Cannon fodder, pollution, trash. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, people need to be taught a course on weasel words in high school so they stop falling for this kind of language. Um, yeah, and you know, I I don't think I don't think the schools are the place to do it. It's the role of the parents to do this. But the problem is, is that many parents are ideologically captured. Look at the parents who are gladly taking their kids to tranny time story hour. Look at their look at the parents that are taking their kids to. Um, climate protests you know the list goes on and on and it and you know in an in an ideal world i i the climate protests etc i don't have a problem with personally if you, if you <laughs> there's no, nothing wrong with wanting uh clean air to breathe etc but it's been weaponized and weaponized by malthusians who who literally would revel in the fact that the that there is excess death right now that, that that they're chipping away at the ability of the population to procreate we again we've seen drops in birth rates we don't know if that's going to be sustained yet and we're we're operating in an environment right now where we know that the especially the lipid nanoparticles are um making a beeline for the ovaries we don't know what the long-term impact is. And the fact that, that they've put it into children, again, I, I wouldn't have thought possible just a few years ago. But here we are. <laughs> he says we're taking little Jimmy to tranny story time after his booster shots for school. Yeah. Um, geoengineering is causing the climate change. Is it? Or, or, or are these just natural cycles and in, 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 that the earth goes through I mean I, I'm more inclined to think natural cycles <laughs> uh, 
let's see. The frameworks of public health ethics require balancing the expected utility with the promotion or demotion of other values. One of these values is liberty. <laughs> In your face, folks. We're taking some liberty from you. A covert compulsory moral bioenhancement program is less liberty restricting than a similar overt program is. The discussion above points out that if moral bioenhancement programs were overt, inevitably some people would refuse or otherwise fail to receive the intervention because the program... Now, don't begin sentences with because... Because the program is compulsory, however, policies would be required to compel such people to undergo the intervention. These policies would take the form of isolation, e.g. preventing dissenters from fully participating in society, like they're doing to me, uh, taxes or fees as penalties, or in severe cases, imprisonment. All of these methods of compulsion restrict liberties. Moreover, given that the expectation of preventing ultimate harm is lower for an overt program, the potential for more significant liberty restrictions is greater, as our liberties may be more likely to be restricted by a harsher environment that result from having undergone ultimate harm. And upon one's death from ultimate harm, one's liberties are fully restricted. Wait one second. Uh-oh. Oh. Um. It's waifu. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Cool. I have to just, uh, just attend to this real quick. Just bear with me. Um. Uh, let's see. Most people who haven't gained basic enlightenment are still animalistic, basically real-life NPCs until they're made aware of the bigger picture. If they ever do, this is written for them. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you, can, you could argue it's been written for all of us, right? They they want this implemented for all of us. And, um, you know, it's again, it comes down to us saying no. Right now, there's still space to say no. And make sure that your children understand what a critical issue this is. Look, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago that, you know, most Americans had a bloody good understanding of the meaning of the Constitution and how sacred it was, etc. And all, all of this is whittling that away. So where were we? And upon one's death from ultimate harm, one's liberties are fully restricted. Dead people have no liberties. These liberty restrictions should not be overlooked. The world in which ultimate harm has occurred is a world in which people have very few liberties. Compared to a covert program, an overt program makes this world more likely. If the program were covert, however, enforcement of liberty restrictions would be unnecessary as people would be unaware of the intervention in the first place and so there would be no need for such po po policies to compel participation and for the potential for the liberty restrictions that ensue from having undergone ultimate harm is also lower. Some may think that utility and liberty are the most important values to consider in implementing a public health program. Balancing the liberty and utility of a covert program and an overt program, the better balance is that of a covert program because it has greater expected utility and is less restrictive of participants' liberties. Well, you know, again, I will, depends, uh, depends what it is that you're implementing in this covert program. And if it's if the enhancement is your degradation, that's not true. It's a faulty premise. But even when other values are balanced with the utility of preventing ultimate harm, a covert... Pro didn't I just read that? Um, no. But even when other values are balanced with the utility of preventing ultimate harm, a covert program is preferable. A covert program better promotes equality. 
God, I hate that word. Um, because by keeping the program covert to everyone, the program ensures that all participants are treated equally. It is totally impartial. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, again, you think the oligarch class are going to be subject to these measures? In an overt program, it would remain open that some populations are in a better position to avoid the intervention, such as those that could easily afford the penalties imposed for refusing or those that do not rely on public health clinics. Another potential source of unequal treatment is that likely many physicians would disagree with the policy. Well, you would think so, but again, we've had a bloody good lesson in that not being the case in the last few years putting them in a better position to refuse to administer the moral bioenhancement. Based on this variance of attitudes within physicians, it's likely that the treatments would be administered unequally. Similarly, a covert program would be fairer than an overt program because everyone would receive the moral bioenhancement. There is no population that would be forced to bear a disproportionate burden. Some populations may bear a greater burden, such as psychopaths whose moral, <laughs> whose, uh, moral psychology must change to a date greater degree than others for these populations the burden of the moral by enhancement would be greater similar to a higher tax but it is not a disproportionate burden an overt program however may encourage others to find ways to avoid receiving the enhancement meaning they wouldn't re be required to bear any burden which is unfair a covert program would also better promote population health than an overt program and again you've got to, you've got to ask yourself what's their definition of health here as discussed above, the expectation that ultimate harm will be prevented is lower in an overt program, so the threat to population health is greater. For the same reason, an overt program may not promote individual health as much as covert program would. Otherwise, the two programs would promote population and individual health equally. The promotion of other values may also turn out to be equal between overt and covert programs. Solidarity would presumably be the same between the two types of programs, though it is possible that it would be greater in an overt program. The administration of the program could induce people to join each other in protesting it, and if revealed, a covert program would undermine social trust. Yeah, <laughs> it would. It would. Like, like, uh, Gaslighting the public into thinking that SARS was a natural spillover event. That's gone and eroded the public trust. <laughs> they, they gave zero fucks and are still digging their heels in about it. Indeed, the disclosure of a covert program may undermine social trust so much that it could destabilize society and its government. Maybe that's what they want. In this respect, the potential for such de destabilization is much lower in an overt program. However, in the event of ultimate harm, society is also destabilized. I claim above that an overt program is less likely to prevent ultimate harm. So although in one respect an overt program makes destabilization less likely, in another respect it makes it more likely. That's uh, some twisted thinking there. But it's therefore not clear that an overt program promotes social stability more than a covert program does, though it may better promote social trust. Mm. Another value is that of transparency. Obviously, an overt program will better promote this value. Yeah, <laughs> there's no transparency with a covert program. And again, that's what we're suffering with at the moment. It's a lack of transparency, a lack of transparency that's permeated all our institutions and all our institutions that are essentially being captured. 
Comparing the two programs, a covert program wins on the values of utility, liberty, equality, and fairness. They are approximately equal in promoting health. An overt program wins on the values of promoting transparency and solidarity and potentially trust. What about the values honoring of honoring duties and respecting autonomy? I assume that many readers are uncomfortable with the notion of a compulsory covert moral bioenhancement program. You think? <laughs> And that the source of this discomfort is the judgment that such a program undermines a person's autonomy, which we have a duty to promote. This, I assume, constitutes the primary reason that one would object to the proposal of making the compulsory moral bioenhancement covert. I, just, I address this objection shortly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> conditions in public health ethics. I might just skip this and get to implementation because we, we started to touch on this yesterday um we get we get his point right that um a covert program in his view uh has a greater public utility and satisfies the criteria of the the greater good better than a co than an overt one sorry implementation I have argued that a covert moral enhancement program is preferable to an overt program, and have done so on ethical grounds. Yeah, I'd like to know where he, I'd like to know where he studied ethics, man. Holy shit! Though the argument is valuable, even if it's impossible for a covert program to be implemented, the practical implications are much greater if such a program can be implemented. It is admittedly difficult to provide examples of other public health interventions of the sort a covert moral enhancement program would be. If I know about them, then they weren't very covert and so wouldn't be examples of how a covert moral enhancement program should be administered. But there may be ways to administer the moral enhancement to the relevant populations without these populations knowing about the enhancement. The method of delivery would depend on the mechanism of action of the enhancement. But one possible way of distributing it to the relevant populations is by way of the public water supply. <laughs> just drugging, uh, just roofing people uh, without their knowing. Right. I thought, I thought we'd established that that's a no-no. Uh, yeah, so uh, water supply, obviously, be careful. Another way it could be distributed is by packaging it with various vaccines while eliminating most exceptions. Or perhaps it could be distributed through forced air systems in public buildings or some combinations of this. This is frightening. This is frightening that someone would put forward these arguments as, as something something that should be aimed towards. I... I And I'm struggling to put myself in the shoes of this person. But you can be sure that there's some think tank that's looking at this and, oh, yeah, look, we've, uh, we've had the ethical argument. It's been had in the academic press. We can We can push straight ahead. There are, of course, members of the population that don't use public water, don't get vaccinated and don't visit public buildings. Based. For example, there are many people in rural areas who get all of their water from wells drilled into natural aquifers. These people wouldn't regularly come into contact with a public water supply, but they would still spend time in public places or get vaccinated, both opportunities to receive the enhancement. There are still individuals who never use public water, never get vaccinated and never go out in public. Ah. 
kind of like me. And if the enhancement were only administered through these channels, such individuals would never receive the enhancement. The threat of ultimate harm is greater now than it has been because people now have greater access to information and materials that are capable of triggering ultimate harm, such as advancing technologies or widespread use of fossil fuels. Oh, there you go. There you go. How dare you warm your house this winter? Those of you, those of you in Europe right now, right? You should, you should be reveling, reveling in the fact that you don't have gas to heat your homes right now because uh, you, you part, you've done the ethical thing. You stopped using fossil fuels. <laughs> These fucking people, man. <laughs> Find them and destroy them. People who refrain from public services may not make widespread access to the information and materials that make ultimate harm a threat. There are large segments of the human population who lack access to utilities, vaccinations or public services of any kind. And if these are the channels of distribution, then these segments of the population will not receive the enhancement. But these segments of the population aren't the ones who increase the threat of ultimate harm. They not only lack access to public services, but also to the information and materials that make ultimate harm a threat. In some cases, individuals in these segments could travel to places where the information and material are accessible, but in so doing, they would be travelling to a place with and very likely use public services and would receive the enhancement. That's right, folks. That's that digital ID for the vaccine passport. It's the bad actor with access to a published recipe for bird flu and the intelligence and infrastructure to produce it or the person who consumes the resource which contribute resources, sorry. So you, you who are eating your homes with gas right now, how dare you? Uh, which contribute to climate change that we have to worry about rather than a member of a recently discovered Amazonian tribe or someone who never engages with the public. Yeah, so look, a, a lot a lot of this framework is coming through this idea of global warming, right? That they've bought into this Malthusian idea. <laughs> you, can't, you can't heat your food, you can't heat yourself, right? <laughs> you, think, you think Klaus and his buddies are going cold this winter? Hmm? <laughs> I'm eating with seal blubber. <laughs> That's the way. They tried putting lithium in the Irish water supply. Is that true? Is that true, really? Holy shit. <laughs> Covert chemtrails, yes. <laughs> Dangerous. Joseph Goebbels is touching himself in his grave. Yeah. Um. Jesus. Uh... Could fluoridization of the water supply classify as bioenhancement? Yes. Yes. Definitely by a Berkey water filter. Yep. Uh, John Stone says covert versus overt makes no difference as long as government is all lies. Yeah, I would, again, I would agree. These, these people do not, don't have the moral or ethical um, grounding to be speaking to us in this fashion. Again, they're ideologues. Ideologues, uh, the, in this instance, a lot of their ideology is coming from the, this idea of uh, you you should be limited in your access to resources that we, eh, previous generations, kind of took for granted. That we'd be able to go out and get a bit of coal, a bit of wood to heat our homes, cook over. <laughs> 
Though the methods of distribution described above occur by way of public utilities or public spaces, there is no implication that the administration of covert moral enhancement must be a matter of public policy. What? <laughs> so private organisations can just go ahead and do it. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Governments and bureaucrats are possible administrators, but the argument doesn't require that a covert program be carried out by any particular individual or group. A covert program would indeed require excellent coordination and control to not only maximise the number of people who receive enhanced moral capacities, but also to maintain secrecy. Oh, what? Um, groups like the World Economic Forum, Council for Foreign Relations. Is that who we're trusting here? Holy shit. Such coordination is not logically impossible, but metaphysically impossible. What? what, what? Um, such coordination is not logically impossible, not metaphysically impossible, and not even practically impossible. It may even be easier to administer than other attempts at secrecy if the administrators themselves are being enhanced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. As their moral motivation to maintain secrecy may be stronger than it otherwise would be. Keeping a, pro keeping a covert program covert would be a challenging obstacle. But just because it would be a challenging obstacle doesn't mean that my argument is unsound. There's plenty unsound about you, buddy. Further, if one is concerned about the difficulty of implementing such a program, and for this reason doubts my argument, consider that it may... Consider that you're going to the gulag. Your government loves you. Consider that it's also no easy task to cobble together a range of public programs which individually are aimed at preventing one potential avenue of ultimate harm, but collectively aimed at preventing ultimate harm. It's not clear that would be any easier to implement. Such a collection would need to include programs aimed at stopping or reversing climate here it is again climate change, programs preventing the proliferation of nuclear arms and other devastating weapons along with information used to manufacture them, programs protecting democratic institutions from electing powerful bad actors, programs preventing dictators from becoming powerful bad actors, programs preventing scientists from developing even accidentally threatening materials or organisms, programs that prevent a mock AI, programs that allow humans to colonize space from death, the sun, etc. I mean, look, there's some uh, points in there that I, I could agree upon with um, we, need to, we need to get a handle on these programs and the people running them. Right? That's the basic premise of my channel and the reason that I sit here most days <laughs> reading tripe like this. <laughs> don't worry we can get away with it because we'll uh, morally enhance the uh, those that would implement the programs it's alright all right, governor we've got it covered seems reasonable to me that a covert program can be implemented others may not be convinced I am very very far from convinced after reading this article I, I, I am just frightened after reading this article that this would be permeating think tanks as he's just said, we don't want, uh, we don't need um, voted in organisations to carry out these programmes. Maybe better to not have those types of organisations. We can, we, can, we can look to our WEF buddies. 
um, one could instead argue on the basis of a covert program's impossibility that it's false that a covert and therefore compulsory moral bioenhancement ought to be carried out. This argument requires that it be true that or implies can. Um, this seems like a bit of a word salad to me. <laughs> no, no, um. uh, the or implies the or implies can principle. The or implies can principle is one that ought to do something only if one is able to do that thing. It's controversial that the principle is true, but if it's true and if a covert program is impossible, then it's false that moral by enhancement ought to be covert by the or implies can principle. And if it's false that moral by enhancement ought to be covert, then it's false that it ought to be compulsory by the truth of the conditional I argue for. Uh, again, you're getting into... Oh, I'd, I'd have to read this paragraph a few times by myself just to wrap my head around some of the arguments here. So the impossibility of covert moral bioenhancement doesn't refute my argument that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, then it ought to be covert because the falsity of a consequent doesn't entail the falsity of the conditional. Oof. Ha! Um... I, I, again, I would need time to pass that um, paragraph. But, I mean, we know what he's saying. He says just any any bio-enhancement that they can think of should be covert. <laughs> it's, the, it's the ethical thing to do. Uh, anyway, let's get, let's get to objections. Uh, how, how long do we have here? <laughs> I might do this in two parts, folks, because I want to get to... Um, I want to get to some neuroscience so objections i'll do i'll do that in part two so so we've, he's laid out the groundwork that um bioenhancement is the ethical thing to do in the uh, well in the face of objective ultimate harms i guess but then you know who who's deciding on the harms here etc so um i'm we know who those those who are frightened of climate change that's that's a lot of where this um or or the, the target of this article seems to be aiming all right let me catch up on some comments real quick uh, i'm still <laughs> i'm still aghast that they tried to put lithium in uh, Highlands water. Um, let's see. Honestly, lithium in water supply is so stupid, and they don't know who is on what, and it can mix with what a person is already taking. Yes, California has outlawed the sales of Berkey. Is that true? Is that true? <laughs> this paper is fucked up. Yeah, it's all it's all sorts. It's all manner of fucked up. Um, I mean, I, I'll do the. Um, you know, there's, there's. I'm about halfway through it, but he's laid out his his case, and you know, there's there's many many objections that I can think of. Um, this author is like Renfield paving the way for Dracula. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the covert bioenhancement is working. Yes. <laughs> Just like T surgery for children. Yeah. And so that's that's the moral and ethical standards by which we should measure measure ourselves now. Right? That's what they want. And um, <laughs> that was I've got breath in my body. Uh, yes, Marty, thank you. Support Doc's work. Let me just see if uh, anyone else has sent a uh, dono. Um, but 
do, 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 do. I think um, I think I covered them all. Yes, I've covered them all. I don't know. Go 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 go. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah, I've covered them all. Uh, let's see. Um, comments. Uh, fry a few Tesla cars in the rivers. That should be <laughs> yes. Uh, his patients were much more placid after his procedure. Uh, perhaps Walt Jackson Freeman II was an early pioneer in covert bioenhancement. Um, is that the lobotomies? Uh, let's see. Yes. Okay. So we're up to date on comments. And so now I want to get into this and perhaps I should download the PDF. Hello? No PDF? All right. What's going on? All right, let's uh All right, it seems a relatively short paper. Okay. Um so this is published in Cell Discovery, part of the Nature Group. Uh SARS-CoV-2 spike protein S2 subunit modulates gamma secretase and enhances amyloid beta production in COVID-19 neuropathy. Okay. Dear editor SARS-CoV-2-induced multilineage neural cell dysregulation has been documented. SARS-CoV-2 infection elevates neuroinflammation, alters brain structure, leads to abnormal accumulation of neurodegenerative amyloid beta and phosphorylated tau, and increases the risk of cognitive impairment in COVID-19 patients. All the things that you would want to do were you to want to uh, subdue a population. Uh, however, the mechanisms underlying neurological dysfunctions following SARS-CoV-2 infection remains largely unknown. To evaluate long-term impact of SARS-CoV-2 infection to the brain, humanized transgenic mice, as described previously, were intranasally infected with a single low dose of prototyped SARS-CoV-2 and maintained for up to 30 days post-infection. Presence of SARS-CoV-2 was found in cortex. You know what? I probably should um, do this. And let's do this. And uh, do this. And let's get the... Um, ah, right. Of course. Oh, no. It is allowing... How can I close all this? There we go. There we go. All right. So, um, here's our experimental protocol, uh, transgenic mice injected with SARS-CoV-2, some euthanized at uh, seven days, some euthanized at 30 days, and they want to say that they found, um, virus in the court, oh, supplementary. Ah, of course, of course, there would be supplementary. Let's do this. Let's go here. Well, 
<laughs> Where's the supplementary material? The online version contains supplementary material. Okay, let's do this. Let's zoom out. Supplementary. <laughs> Download it as a word doc. Fucking you. Um, all right. Well, we'll take their word for it that they found virus in in the cortex. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm uh, concerned about opening uh, word documents. Uh, what, uh, who knows what type of moral bioenhancement they're going to send my way? All right. So let's try and keep this figure in mind. So, okay. Uh, presence of SARS-CoV-2 was found in Cortex 7 days DPI, but not 38 DPI. Um, via spike protein immunostaining, so it's supplementary figure. Oh, do I have to open it? <sighs> it's, it's pages long there, uh, this supplementary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's the figure. Um, there. All right, Mark, and then the red is the uh, viral RNA, I guess. Uh, spike protein. It's staining for spike protein. Uh, you know, a little bit, 30 days. Okay. We found a remarkable activation of IBA1 microglia. So there's microglia again, folks, and uh, GFAP positive astrocytes, uh, astrocytes are the sort of support cells for neurons, in the hippocampus and cortex of infected mice at 30 days DPI, supplementary... <laughs> Why would you... Like, that's a... Isn't that the main point of your paper? Why wouldn't you put that in the uh, paper itself? All right, so um, here's the hippocampus, I guess, and um, IBA1, I'm... We need to let's just find out what that is. IBA one. I guess it's just a signal for microglia activation. Uh, IBA one marker antibodies to stain in cell and tissue samples. Uh, is IBA1 specific microglia ionized calcium binding adapter molecule is a microglia macrophage specific calcium binding protein IBA1 has that actin bundling activity and participates in membrane ruffling and phagocytosis in activated microglia interesting alright let's move on uh, <laughs> literally the, the second paragraph is all supplementary data Okay, uh, all right. We looked for further brain changes by analyzing transcriptomics of the hippocampal tissues at 30 days DPI. Supplementary figure two. Not one, not one, um, not one reference to the main figure in their paper just yet. Supplementary figure two, and A, and what does it say? Quantification of the mRNA expression in SARS-CoV-2 infected brain hippocampal tissues. Principal component analysis of hippocampal slices from SARS-CoV-2 infected mice. A fairly DPI blue dot. 
n equals three. Oof, an uninfected mice. Oh, so um, already I've got a problem with this study with just <laughs> n of three when using mice is uh, weak to say the least. Uh, based on RNA sequence data, B relative mRNA levels of TREM2, GFAP, MAP2, SYN2 base in hippocampal tissues of the mice 30 days DPI. And we'll presume MOX. So TREM2 is increased, GFAP increases, MAP2 decreases, synapsin2 decreases, base 1, same, presenilin, no difference. Okay. Do we get to. Uh, where's the amyloid? Come on. A series of dysregulated genes or pathways were identified. Yeah, we did that. Gene ontology analysis revealed that the upregulated genes were mainly enriched in pathways related to antiviral immune responses and aging while the downregulated genes were enriched in neuronal function-related pathways such as synaptic vesicle clustering, figure 1b. All right, we can dispense with the supplementary data right now. Okay, so um, biological processes that were augmented. Aging, response to mechanical stimulus, cell matrix adhesion, negative regulation, WNT signaling pathway, lung alveolus development, fatty acid beta-oxidation, positive regulation of epithelial mesenchymal transition, positive regulation of BMP, I don't know what that is, signaling pathway, positive regulation of epithelial cell migration, response to interferon gamma, sperm axinome assembly, cerebral spinal fluid circulation, hyperosmotic... Uh, that's a salinity, I thought that said a sanity response. I was like, what? Uh, salinity response and um, pathways that were down um, regulated neuron migration axonogenesis positive regulation of synapse assembly synapse organization synapse assembly adult behavior endosomal transport synaptic vesicle endocytosis positive regulation of exocytosis, synaptic vesicle exocytosis, neurotransmitter secretion, clathrin co-assembly, synaptic vesicle clustering. Um, now, you know, do I know all the, <laughs> the gene and molecular pathways for this? No, but as a, as a sort of 30,000 foot view, um, it's striking to me that in this instance, when it's supposedly a low dose exposure, um, we're seeing um, such radical changes to such fundamental um, neural processes and not, and not just neural ones uh, in this instance. Um, I'm not wading through their supplementary data to pick out how they've um, done this, but um, we'll, ju we'll just take it as a given that that's what they've found. Um, so did that, we did that, and... Um, Specifically, the neuroinflammatory genes TREM2, IFITM, IFITM3, and GFAP were significantly upregulated, whereas the neuronal genes MAP2 and synapsin2 were downregulated. We just looked at that. Unexpectedly, mRNA levels of amyloid precursor protein processing related genes such as BASE1, AFH1, presenilin1, nicastrin, and P. Senin were unchanged. The upregulation of TREM2 and GFAP, the downregulation of MAP2 and SYN2, and the unalteration. So, this is odd to me because um, the, I, I was under the impression that they were saying that the amyloid was um, 
enhanced. Uh, so it's odd to see that these genes that are associated with the amyloid precursor protein are unchanged. Okay. Um, the upregulation of TREM2 and GFAP, the downregulation of MAP2 and SYN2, and the unalteration of BASE and PCN1 were validated by quantitative real-time PCR. Such expression patterns were also observed in the brain transcriptomic dataset obtained from COVID-19 patients by single nucleus RNA sequencing, supplementary figure 3A and C. Um, wow, you'd think the human data would be... Um, would make a more important paper than some some mice, but there you go. Um, do, 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 do. These results suggest that the presence of the neurodegenerative hallmarks in COVID-19 brain might not be regulated at the transcriptional level, but through an unknown regulatory mechanism. Okay. To explore the potential mechanisms underlying COVID-19-related neuropathology, we tested whether SARS-CoV-2 membrane protein plays a role in this process. Um, so the M protein um, does, does carry a um, significant signature for prion uh, analysis using the PLAC software. So uh, keep that in mind. So... The gamma secretase complex containing pent... We better just check what gamma secretase... <laughs> what does that do? Um, I guess it's a membrane protein. I did pull up a paper. Um, gamma secretase in Alzheimer's disease. So it's um, it's got a known association with Alzheimer's. Um, and I'll just put the links for the papers in the chat. Um, here. And... Um, here. All right, so uh, we tested by the SARS-CoV-2 membrane protein plays a role in this process. The gamma secretase complex comprising pen... Well, we're not so concerned about the acronyms, is a critical membrane complex contributing to uh, amyloid beta production in Alzheimer's disease and its pathogenesis. Initially, we conducted co-immunoprecipitation in HEC 293 T cells and found that SARS-CoV-2 spike S2 subunit, but not S1 protein, interacted individually with PEN2, figure 1D. All right, what's 1D? So vector. So this is, um, I guess, Western, Western blotting. Looking for proteins. Let me just. Through there. Immunoblotting. Immunoblotting was described as previously in brief. Protein samples were separated by SDS page, transferred to PVFD membrane by semi-dry transfer. The membrane was blocked, uh, incubated overnight with commercial primary antibody. Membrane, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. So, I believe, 
Western. But I, I do believe it's Western. I, I, I'm prepared to be corrected on that. But um, so in this case, they're um, they're looking for the presence of a protein and using the weight of the protein. So a lighter protein will travel further through the gel than uh, a heavier one, and then they're um, staining and then looking for its presence. And I guess what we're seeing here is S1. We see so vector negative negative pen two s one flag s two flag and this kind of looked like the weight I would expect for the spike protein pen two okay beta actin let's see what they say in the paper here. Um, so HEC 293 cells and found that SARS-CoV-2 spike S2 subunit but not the S1 protein interacted individually with PEN2 and APH1, figure 1E, okay, and PS1 and NCT and even bound to all these four components, figure 1H. Yeah, so S1, S2, these look like the individual subunit weights and... Um, whatever these, I, I guess these are the components of the gamma secretase. Uh, let's, uh, we better take a look. Gamma secretase, I did, I did take a look, gamma secretase. It's a multi-subunit protease complex, itself an integral membrane protein that cleaves single-pass transmembrane proteins at residues within the transmembrane domain. Proteases of this type are known as intramembrane proteases. The well-known substrate of gamma secretase is amyloid precursor protein, a large integral membrane protein that, when cleaved by both gamma and beta secretase, produces a short 37 43 amino acid peptide called amyloid beta, whose abnormally folded fibrilliform is the primary component of amyloid plaques found in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Gamma secretase is also critical in related processing of several other type 1 integral membrane proteins, such as notch, uh, cadering, yeah, well, whatever. Um, okay, so this is uh, <laughs> it's a critical enzyme in Alzheimer's and I guess they're finding or the demonstration here that it's interacting with um, the S2 subunit. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on. The inverse co-IP could not validate the interactions between the SS2 and PS1 or NC2 Determine whether the C-terminal transmembrane domain in SS2 constitutes the structural basis for its interaction with gamma secretase, we examined membrane protein of SARS-CoV-2 but found no interaction with PEN2 and PS1, suggesting a specific interaction between S2 and gamma secretase. We next performed glutathione S-transferase pull-down and found that S2 can directly bind to PS1 and NCT 
Immunocytochemistry assay showed the co-localization of S2 with gamma secretase components individually in HeLa cells and in the brain sections of infected mice. Yeah. So um, a lot of focus is put on the S1 subunit as being the um, the driver for a lot of this or a lot of pathology associated with SARS exposure. Um, a direct interaction with via S2, which, you know, in the cleaving process, how much, how much S2 is, is sort of free form and floating willy-nilly around the system? I, I don't know. But um, this is, well, you know... I would I would like to think that this was a huge huge leap forward um but I'm I'm not surprised to tell the truth so yesterday yesterday we looked at the amyloidogenic signature of the spike protein both the Wuhan and the Omicron strain and we, we maybe I can find that real quick actually and the the whole length of the spike protein triggers uh, signals for amyloidogen amyloidogenic type sequences. So in this instance, I'm not surprised to see that the S2 segment is having these types of interactions. Um, let's see, try and um, keep up with the. Hans <laughs> Rebo says, GFAP, God, please, no, it's no November. Do not remind me, is it? <laughs> Get a wife, dude. Get a wife, um, What does SARS-CoV-2 prototype consist of? Is this cDNA infectious clone of OG Wuhan strain? Yes, I think that's um, the case. Uh, I'll just check the... Um, I'll see the methods here. Virus. The SARS-CoV-2 strain was kindly provided by Guangdong Provincial Center for Disease Control and Prevention. As described in our previous studies, the virus was propagated and titrated in Vera E6 cells, which were cultured in DMEM. So it sounds like live virus. Um, so not um, clonal. So I hope that answered that question. Um, let's see, did that, did that. I lost all my guns when my Tesla drove itself into a lake, okay. Uh, sucks the yeast through the straw. Groundbreaking science powered by yeast is crowdfunding soon on Republic. I don't know what that means. Mary Shelley was a prophetess. I'm sick of the Frankenstein approaches to science. It's so fucking arrogant. Um, oh, look, I, I again, I've, it's not, um... I don't want to seem like the Luddite. It's just, it, it's very obvious that we, that there are some branches of biotechnology that from an ethical and moral standpoint need to be reined in. We can't have defense departments pumping billions of dollars into it. 
It, that that's got to stop. And if we if we're gonna do this type of research, it needs to be some sort of international collaboration in in the middle of the Pacific Ocean where it can have minimal impact on human populations. Um, that's what I would say. It took Reddit only twenty seconds to ban my new GIF on the FDA trial result. <laughs> Vindicating the rights of women and all that. I don't know what that means. Link paper, please. I think I put it in the chat. Um, let's see. What happened on the Grand Tour stays on the Grand Tour. Okay. Taking the mother away from home and vilifying it while stoking the false belief that women can be emancipated by adoption of the worst traits of men. Uh, yes, uh, that is a problem. Uh, Mary Shelley was writing about the English legal system metaphorically. Interesting, I didn't know that. Brain natriuretic peptides belong to a family of protein hormones called natriuretic peptides. These natriuretic peptides have an important role in regulating circulation. Thank you. Um, I've seen accelerated aging in some of the jibby-jabbed. Um, yes, but you know, you could argue that you've seen accelerated aging in the um, viral infected as well. That, that's what long COVID is. Um, so let's see, danger. We try to warn them not to take the jab. Very few will connect it to their newfound problems. Um, well, but the, you know, as, uh, just to try to balance the dialogue and debate somewhat, there are many, many people who have been exposed to the gene transfection and seem a okay. My mum, for one my sister for another um again i don't i don't think it's a be all and end all at this moment you know the 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 question actually isn't about um sars medical countermeasures right it, the, the question is a bigger ethical one about where it is that they're taking us with respect to things like covert moral bio enhancement that's that's the bigger question uh, right now SARS is just uh, the the mechanism by which they're introducing and instantiating these frameworks. And, you know, if covert moral bioenhancement is going to be a thing, um, I don't even have to tell you. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I, I would make the presumption that... Um, that article on covert moral bioenhancement is is at the extreme end of any ethicist discussion, and I would hope that the uh, the paper is um, trashed within the academic literature. Again, my my concern is just that the idea is there and the intent is there. As as I discussed at great length yesterday with um, Spartacus, we may, you know, all these novel technologies, the nanotransducers and etc. It's probably a long, long way away. The, the issue is the driving force and the direction that the research is taking that they would be heading in 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 that particular direction. And what do they often do? They they wrap it up in whether we're going to help people with disabilities and we watched that clip yesterday where oh we're going to help the blind person and literally in the next sentence the war fighter came into the discussion and th that's that's the problem around around this type of research and thinking we, we we have to we have to somehow put a the brakes on it that the um the militarization of these of these projects is 
is neutered somehow such such that it can't be it can't be weaponized against you by the oligarch class i mean an, an argument could be made that it's too late already right the, the trigger's been pulled right we're just in the bullet time moment and we're um we're, we're the we're the ones sort of watching everything happen in slow motion whilst the rest of the plebs are still playing catch up right look we we're, we're virtually three years in and you know we're getting a paper about amyloid um on the s2 subunit which is something that i've been warning about right from day one right and in in a sense you know that I've, i feel a sense of frustration and boredom right sort of going over the same stuff but then you know there are people new people coming to the channel who um hopefully i can um direct and that's that's my role here is to um even though i know it i need to i need to introduce it to people who uh, who this is a novel concept to and you know the the problem is is that we're dealing with this multifactorial problem it's not just a um single event around the virus release and its engineering it's all the other stuff that's um emerging around it that we have to we have to stay on top of and i don't know whether i'm doing a good job or not but um you know yesterday we were holding uh, we held 170 people for five hours um there's over 105 people watching right now and you know this is this isn't a short attention grabbing um youtube tiktok or type video this is an in-depth look and i'm stretching myself try you know having to read through these documents and i do it i don't i don't read the stuff beforehand i i try to do it in real time so you can sort of um see my thinking process as as i as i do this right because i don't i don't want to be the um sort of the argumentation from authority right you know i i have to learn and find my way through this stuff as well and yeah okay we get we, i harp on endlessly about the risk from um amyloid amyloidogenic disease pathways um and you know it seems some people seem to like it all right can't believe with all the papers coming out that people still don't see the connection no they 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 don't you know um and they they won't look right that that there will be there will be all research directed towards the amyloidogenic properties of the viral spike there will be zero directed towards the gene expressed spike even even though essentially they're fundamentally the same Uh, I was talking to a friend about the mRNA GT does and said don't tell me you'll scare me more so maybe people are just not believing they took jabs without being informed embarrassed um how can I get a wife I'm 21 Kev nobody I age wants commitment like that my parents were married at 21 and had three kids actually by that age no not three uh one and me on the way I think 
and then a year later my my sister but um <laughs> get get started early if i if i had one regret right it's that i i had kids so late in life right because i'm old now and you know i i struggle in terms of just having the energy to um engage with them as much as i want like the other day i i did the i did the stream with ryan it was a long stream and my son was like oh will you play with me daddy and i was like you know what i'm i'm tired big boy daddy's gotta go lay down right have kids while you're young and have many that would be my advice um don't you think it's questionable they're using a Wuhan SARS prototype? How does this apply to currently circulating strains? Well, again, we looked at the Omicron strain yesterday. It still has all the amyloidogenic spikes, uh, peaks. Let me let me just bring that up real quick, just so people can see it. Oh, maybe I... Right, let me let me just um, find that real quick. J just bear with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and show you that um, in terms of amyloidogenic peptide sequences, very little has changed in the spike protein. And in in this particular instance, um, they're also talking about the membrane protein as well. Um, just. I get so much email now. Goddamn Substacks. <laughs> Fuck you, Substack. It was filling my uh, email with. And, you know, this was uh, an email that was just sent to me by, uh, you know, someone that watches the stream. Um, ah, here it is. Okay, so let's put this here. So this is the amyloidogenic profile for the Wuhan spike. And this one is for Omicron. And so this is the OG Wuhan spike. And every, so this is the length of the amino acid sequence. And the, I guess the, I don't know what the, amyloidogenic regions I might but what the metric is here as a weighting but um there's very very little difference between this and um omicron now there's work done by Jean-Claude Perez which shows that the prion like the prion domain that we've seen in the original Wuhan strain has disappeared somewhat in Omicron. Um, but all, all these little peptide fragments that are studded through the spike protein, they're all still there. The furin cleavage site is still there. And, you know, this is this is why I think we're seeing the phenomenon of people who are having mild exposures, yet still going on to develop the long COVID phenotype because of this. 
because once you initiate these cascades and again it's not everyone but there there's just going to be some people and again uh, the best analogy i can give you is just like hay fever there are some people who are just highly susceptible to pollen right me it's never bothered me right but i you can i can see that there are other people like my wife's one she you know bit of uh pollen in the air and um you know she's runny nose and red-eyed and um there's just different strokes for different folks uh so i hope that answered the question lance um let's see the denial is so strong these days in the jabbed um yeah uh what's going into it and i find people are more responsive when i add and the virus can do this when i try and get through to them yes I, I, you must you must say that both sides of the equation are problematic now that th what i would try and then do is say you know that your body has evolved mechanisms and barriers that uh, would make it likely that recovery is more more of a possibility than an unknown when you bypass the respiratory epithelium the gut epithelium and then you directly gene transfect cells throughout the body with amyloidogenic sequences this this here is the whole problem and what are they doing they're asking people to go for third fourth fifth booster shots now it may be that um someone with nefarious intent thought that it would have far far greater impact than it has done i don't know no i don't think we'll ever know all we can do is try to sort of pick our way through the uh the available data and what what i would i could i could summarize this paper um with this figure here right and as this shows the length of the amino acid sequence the distribution of amyloidogenic triggers is essentially the, the, the equally distributed through the spike and these have done some fancy um immunohistochemistry and um pcr and eliza and god knows what else and and have honed in on the s2 subunit as being um problematic well okay <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really add that much to what we know and predicted from first principles a few years ago from a few years ago and in my opinion gene transfecting people without telling them that there's this amyloidogenic risk that is where the problem lies plus just the um the slippery slope of uh, our ethics and um moral values being thrown down the shitter for want of a better expression for the common good and again i i would put forward to you as as a hypothesis it it's a, a um i would argue it's a valid one that someone who was looking to augment you somehow for for their benefit would look at something a distribution 
like this and think it a bloody good idea to unleash it upon you without telling you. And, you know, the, the one saving grace that we probably have is that the scaling up and the fidelity of the protein that they were expecting probably isn't that good. Um, Ex-scientist says, out of 30 friends, I have four hospitalizations and one dead from medical countermeasures. That sucks. I just add to them, listen to all true. The quality control issues they've had with mass production of clot shots means some people get lucky and they get injected with, maybe, maybe. And uh, yeah, I think that's a high probability. Um, let's see. I think the major problem is people who are inoculated even more than three times get the... Yeah, and this is another thing. We don't know the interaction between receiving the natural infection and the synthetic um, spike as being dispersed through the body. We, no one's doing those studies. It's just all guesswork. See, this happens with the flu too. Um, my circle is stronger and tighter. That's good. Uh, Space Marine says, you're doing a great job, dude. Thank you. Um, Kev is a G. I don't know what that means. A git? <laughs> Did you listen to last Friday's episode of Jimmy Jean regarding a potential technological avenue for bio-enhancement? No, I, I haven't. You know, I, get, I get very little chance to listen to other um, streams um, and if I do it's sort of um, it's at twice the speed whilst I'm trying to read other stuff uh, let's see sanity check I prefer the more regulated scientific Kev to be honest um, thank you it's like when you first start smoking six peer pressure what is <laughs> doing science uh, let's see I have 100 kids and name them all Dr. Kev Yes, uh, that's that's a policy I can get behind. I'd even I'd even argue for uh, covert. I'd, I'd do the covert moral bio enhancement. The ladies look nice. Let's <laughs> see. I have friends that refuse to look at the data too because they think it's scary. Now they've basically said they prefer to be lighted by the media. It's less scary. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This is this is the world in which we find ourselves. And as, again. It, it's you're not going to save everyone. It's up to us to build a strong community clan. OK. And within that clan, we have to make sure that the information is propagated multi-generationally against the people that would um, salivate over the idea of covert moral bioenhancement. That's that's all we can do. I don't think you're going to war with these people. You're not, you know, um, you know, if they turn up at your doorstep, by all means, uh, break out the, break out the armory and defend yourselves. But short of, um, short of complete societal collapse, these people literally control everything. And so our job is to like get chameleon-like, make sure our clan stay stable and that that we propagate information you want to know who you need to learn from the jew they're really good at that
Right. Learn from them. Learn from them. Do the same. Look after one another. Right. Make sh- and again, make sure that the learning is passed on. And, you know, hopefully within that community, there are enough people with, a, with enough skill sets and skill stacks that we can um, we can adapt and and propagate and sub- and survive. Uh, let's see. Uh, naming them as mandatory social services would take them off you if you didn't. I don't know what that means. Uh, in one sense, I'm glad I waited as far as my maturity goes. However, as far as energy and keeping up with her, it's hard. She wants a movie and I fall asleep all the time. For kids? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm on Kev's side. Sleep is a commodity. <laughs> yeah, Actually, you know what? I've been sleeping a lot. Um, and I don't. I think it might just be sort of jet lag and the the trip that I did just sort of catching up with me. But um, link this, please. Um, the paper. I I have linked the paper here. Uh, I'm not sure JC's hypothesis stands up. No, I d- I don't. I don't think JC's hypothesis stands up. And you know that real real world data trumps. Um, hi- hypothesis every time, and the this the Segal lab work um, is is a sort of nail in the coffin, right? So um, go go read uh, this, and um, that that would sort of argue that there's a reversion back to the um, to a, a neutral normal quasi-species swarm. I, I, I don't... and I, I have to go with experimentation rather than postulation. Um, let's see. Just find this out there. Not everyone needs to be married or even have a significant other. It's a sham that people say that you have to. Society breeds ignorance. Well, um, I would argue that the family unit is the um foundational functional block for society culture and we should do everything in our power to make sure that that remains a sacred institution not not allow the covert moral bio enhancement that would come in and shatter those ideals um evolution over millennia <laughs> brought us to these constructs and they're they're essentially almost universal there are variations in how marriage is sort of implemented across various parts of the world but the the fundamental principle is the same man woman get together and and make offspring and you know nature has sort of built into you a bonding relationship with um your other your significant other and your and your children you know, Allah Akbar. Uh, let's see. I said it all along. I do have a problem with forcing the body to make its own pathogen. Yes, um, especially one that is highly amyloidogenic. Now, you know, maybe maybe we should run the blast sequence for uh, or, or get the amino acid sequence for the hemagglutinin receptor for flu. Maybe maybe it's highly amyloidogenic as well. But you know what? Up until recently, they weren't gene transfecting people with these with these peptides. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, covering up all the injuries and deaths is even worse at this point. Um, look, I think the um, the deaths are not being tinkered with at the moment, right? Otherwise, other, if they if they were, we wouldn't see the all cause um, mortality increases that we do. And the you know the increases in cancer, the increases in Alzheimer's, the increases in cardiovascular events. Um, but that could change if if they if they feel that they need to get a control of a restless population. It would be an easy thing to do. It's a few keystrokes. Uh, when most people think it's just like other vaccines they had before, yeah, you know, um, including my science teacher from school. Come um, uh, says had my speaker two learning session with Nick. Love that guy. Yep, we all love Nick. Um, not in a homo way though. <laughs> Kevin, hundred kids named Kev. Your response is narcissistic. <laughs> uh, we will intergenerationally destroy them. I hope so. We need in group preference. Yes, yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's it's that's nature and biology. Doesn't mean you get to be a cunt, everyone else. But you know, look after your own. It's what the, it's what the oligarch class do, and that but they just call you racist or or whatever for for wanting to do the same for yourself, right? It's 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 a constant attack on your your and your family's ability to prosper. And th that attack is always gaining in sophistication, gaining in, um, well, I was I, I would say efficacy, um, but perhaps perhaps that's not the case now. Maybe maybe things are imploding. Uh, let's see. We don't need a moil though. No. I'm I'm not down for genital mutilation. <laughs> Let's see. The vaccines they've already had are also dangerous and offer virtually zero protection from whatever illnesses they're intended to prevent. Um I mean that's a discussion for another day, but um, you know, I think there's you know, this is something that Jonathan has um covered uh with um Christine Stabel is the name, where literally they found that some vaccines that do confer a general improvement in um, population metrics of health, but they tend to be the live attenuated vaccines. Why that is, I'm, I don't know. Um, I could think of a bunch of potential hypotheses, but you know, I think I think the data is fairly well established and accepted. Um, does does that hold true for these new gene transfection approaches? No, I, d I don't think that's the case. Uh, ketamine healing? Maybe. Maybe. Jet lag? Maybe. Uh, let's see. Um, no link. The figure on the right showing amyloidogenic peptides. Oh, um, this. Here, you can have the link for that. So that's Omicron. And this one is uh, Wuhan strain. Um, 
let's see. Don't blame you. One of the business guys I know. Jimmy Show is about being able to target electrical signals to a person's DNA. The whistleblower had mRNA poster behind him. Um, again, I'm. You know, I, I I wait to be convinced of the um, efficacy of these newer newer technologies, right? It, you know, it's the idea is there and the intent is there. It just is it going to um, manifest in the way that they that they think? And you know, I would I would say a lot of the problem that they have is just the dogma of um, genes genes controlling everything. Where I think that there is a more higher order or not there's a there's an interaction between genes per se and the field constructs that are the uh, the central nervous system being the best example um that exist that operate on on a much much faster time scale than um gene expression or gene methyl methylation so um you know i've done those lectures a few times and um i'm sort of flagging a bit with this one but um i'll 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 try and get into it um another another day uh let's see uh, let's see, Alakbar, that's the only one reason Kevry family, people like Kaufman though make a good argument about breeding and not everyone being fit. <laughs> Obviously there's more to it than that, but that's the rough outline. You could obtain a DNA sample and determine a resonant frequency or something and basically ruin someone's biology. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure. I mean, what, what, we've got techno voodoo dolls now? <laughs> I remain to be convinced. Uh, let's see, um... Let's see. That's unfortunate. I was hoping Doc would poke holes in it, honestly. Poke holes in what? Didn't know Calvin was a genesis as well as being a virus. Aren't real, bro. Grifting. See you next Tuesday. I don't know what that means. Um, what happened to Bulbasaur? Bulbasaur, at this sort of time of year, has to um, concentrate on work. But um, Bulbasaur is around. Um, Kev, the real comment... I wanted you to cover was the human body designed to destroy foreign bodies. It isn't designed to make its own pathogen and then attack it. Um, ref more um, autoimmune disease. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would be, I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, the, the counter to that is just, um, exposure time, dose, etc. And, um, in, in this instance, I would, well, we, we have two, two issues one is that sampling from germinal cells they've found active mrna 60 days after exposure and two um amyloidogenic cascades once initiated are independent of the free plasma levels of um spike protein for example and that's that's why there's the metric within neuroscience. There's no safe dose of exposure to pre-energic peptides. Um, poke holes in the DNA EMP stuff. Um, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about uh, specifically. Um, 
Let's see. Um, biophotons. Um, yeah, we know that the biophotons are real, but again, um, how much is... Um, what are the extended field effects of these phenomenon? And, you know, I'm, I, I can tell you from my experience trying very, very hard to see if there was any evidence. And, you know, you could say maybe my sampling frequencies just weren't fast enough. But everything that I saw in the brain tended to conform to more classical descriptions. Are there quantum processes within the cell? Yes. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Do those Do those properties extend out far beyond the cell itself and i i would make the argument that what, you, what you're more dealing with is extended um ion field structures that are intermingling and interacting that have that, that do enable the exchange of information beyond the cell the cell membrane but again how how far they really extend i don't know um i i i would guess not not that much more beyond you we know that there's a bioelectric field etc but um you know I, I haven't i've never seen anything to really convince me of um our our ability to modulate that in any meaningful way but that's that's just my experience. Um, when has Kevin claimed to be family friendly? <laughs> Never. Uh, let's see. All right, so that's me up to date with the. Uh, I'm I'm kind of tired. <laughs> Look, um, the the S two subunit. Um, is amyloidogenic as well. We can see that um, through this type of analysis here um, and gamma secretase, whatever that um, collection of enzymes is, seem to play a role in the emergence of um, amyloid. Um, I think that's about all I can manage uh, with respect to this paper. <laughs> I'm about, uh, about gassed out and the kids are... Um, about to come home so um as as a as a sort of wrap up to this um yes i'm i'm concerned about the intent of um thought leaders academic circles think tanks that would be operating on principles around things like covert moral bioenhancement bioenhancement from from it might not be enhancement from your perspective but from theirs very much is so if it makes you controllable and um seeding the environment with amyloidogenic sequences and then making it such that you don't have access to the clean foods and therapeutics vitamins supplements etc that your body would need to help mitigate these problems is um inconscionable in my mind and yeah i don't i don't think i have much more to to add beyond that
Um, but yeah, I did, like I said, I wanted to, I was just ruminating on um, <laughs> covert moral bio-enhancement. I'll try to do the second half where we look at some of his objections. Hopefully um, he realizes, that author realizes he's being a douche um, arguing those sorts of programs. We should fight tooth and nail to make sure that um, common good um, programs are never implemented in a covert fashion and um wonder what sax have to say about this covert moral buying hubs i don't know I, I don't know um i haven't spoken to sax since we had the uh the meeting that we did and you know i'm i'm still um stuck on my hobby horse which is i'm i'm concerned that um, the weaponization of amyloids is the new frontier of bio warfare, and um, it's not it's not the warfare of your grandpappy anymore. Um, this this is uh, warfare of the oligarchs against um, us peons. We are um, unfortunately the untermensch in their eyes and cattle um, to be used for their well, gain amusement i guess uh control and um just be very very suspicious of what these uh neo malthusians are offering you um make sure make sure that you're not um <laughs> you're not covertly taking in a handful of amyloids that could cause a whole bunch of problems um from from now till your dying day all right let me just check uh the if anyone sent a dono come on no you're all zijou right i'm out of here take care guys god bless um sorry i didn't do a better job with this uh paper but <laughs> just that covert moral bio enhancement sucked the uh Stuck the life out of me like they intended. I'm out of here. Take care. God bless. I will see you uh, in the next one. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers. I will fucking kill each fucking pepper. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever transmitted my fucking blood blood. Oh, that's fine. This guy, so